This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Aloe Recovery, located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu and Silver Lake, created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends Evan, Jared, and Bob. And Aloe was created as a rehab to provide compassion to addicts rather than control, to give them an experience coming off of drugs that is more pleasant than some horrible institution. I've had friends that were there, and they agreed that this is what it was like. They treat co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness, and they make sure your detox is as comfortable as possible. They also have fucking amenities that would make a resort jealous, including sound bath meditation, equine therapy, surfing, and much, much more. But most important, if you're fucked and you don't know where else to go and you're willing to go to Southern California, I strongly recommend going to Aloe. Hello, Dopey Nation. My name is Patrick Ferguson. I'm the host of the Crash and Ride podcast. Crash and Ride is a long-form interview podcast where I talk to musicians who survived anxiety, depression, and addiction. The idea was that if I could get musicians to talk honestly and openly about their struggles, that we could share some experience, strength, and hope, and maybe start to get better. I'm a professional touring drummer and recovering addict based out of Athens, Georgia. I've been on tour since sometime in the 90s, and I've seen people who were really going through it, and I wanted to see if there was some way I could help. I had Dave from Dopey on episode 30. That was a few months ago. Episode 19, I talked to Riley Walker. That was a great talk. Episode 37, I had Patterson Hood from the Drive-By Truckers. And a particular interest to Dopey listeners, you might want to check out episode 27, where I talked to Christian Limbach from the Atlanta band Whores. He had a decade-long battle with heroin, and we really get down in it and talk about it. And I think Dopey listeners might take something away from that. You can hear any of those episodes and more at www.patreon.com slash crash and ride or just search for crash and ride on your favorite podcast app. So stay strong, Dopey Nation, and remember, loud guitars save lives. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the power of the Dopey Patreon page. I hear the numbers of the Patreon page are dropping. My dad just told me. It makes me nervous. So give some money to the Dopey Patreon page or don't. I don't care. I'm about to put exclusive content on Dopey Patreon. So look out. Also, we have Dopey Ski Hats and Dopey Socks. People call them beanies. I'm done with the word beanie. We're going to call them Ski Hats. Uh, They're available. You Venmo me at Dopey Podcast, or you go to DopeyPodcast.com to get the true fashion Dopey experience. All right, enough with the ads. Here's the show. Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I am Dave, and I'm joined in my father's kitchen with my very sweet and not mysterious friend, Ray. I'm not mysterious. Not mysterious. Welcome back, Ray. I'm an open book. He's an open book. How are you doing, Ray? I'm good. How are you? Are you thrilled to be back I'm on the show? I'm thrilled. I love doing the show. I've missed being on the show. Why do you like doing the show so much? It's always fun. I like hanging out with you. You know, people wrote to me, and they're like, I like hearing you on the show. And I was like... That's just like hanging out with Dave. It's just fun to hang out with Dave. That's nice, Ray. Yeah. I appreciate that. And uh, and Ray hasn't been on the show in a long time. And I think and Ray Ray's been on this uh, in, in the past. Ray was on one of these social media groups. What would you call Flow Chan? What is Flow Chan exactly? Flow Chan's a it's a bunch of musicians chatting, right? About 
and he was uh, he was obsessed with this Facebook group Flowchan. But since his rearrival to Dopey, he's replaced Flowchan with the Dopey Nation. With the Dopey Nation, yeah. True. Yeah, I've lost interest in Flowchan. I'm on Dopey Nation now. Wow. And <laughs> speaking of Dopey Nation, before we start, we want to wish a happy five years to Dopey fucking what do you call it administrator dopey nation yes. administrator andrew g uh fucking 11 years to other dopey wow. administrator leah l and then fucking james from england who james has been writing me from england for years and he starts every every email with evening dave and I could just imagine him someplace, you know, he's very conversational like that. And he has two years. So yeah. let's let's give James and Leah and Andrew a big whatever. We don't have vape vapes anymore on Dopey. So that's the you know, Chris would wait. Chris you, would bang his Chris vape, vape on the table right, right. to clap, which was a great thing. Um so congratulations to you guys. If anybody in the Dopey Nation wants to send updates about your clean time, that's cool, right? Yeah. Ray, you want to update the Dopey Nation on your fucking state of clean time? I don't have clean time. <laughs> well, Ray, why don't you... I'm fucked up. Um, I'm, no, I'm not high. I'm not, I'm not drunk. But I met with Dave the other day, and he's like, you reek of vodka. And I'm like, he, oh, and he said, are you drunk right now? This was, a, you know, it was morning to me, but it was one in the afternoon. I was like, no, I'm not drunk. I never drink in the day. And he's like, you reek of vodka. But I, I wasn't. But more importantly, was, you've been relapsing. Yeah. Do you want to? I mean, what do you want to talk about at all? I've just been. I've been on. And I know mo- you want me to save this for later in the show, but let's just get it out of the way. I've, We're talking I've about anniversaries. I've been on an emotional roller coaster, and the way that I handled that was drinking by chugging vodka, and I was just in so much pain. And and Dave was just talking about dope sick, and just my entire body was in pain, and I couldn't think of any other way to stop that. Then to chug, I found this stronger kind of vodka now they sell. At Is it Tito's vodka? No, it's, it's, it's like Smirnoff Plus. It's got extra alcohol in it. <laughs> how do they figure out how to add alcohol to know. alcohol? I don't know. The guys at the store are like, this is the fancy stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm fancy. It's the high test. It's horrible. It's like I can chug straight up vodka. And this stuff I'm kind of like, I got to choke on. But that's all I could do was just to chug that and then I would pass out. And I was also just, I was in pain through my whole body. And I thought, I want to get some uh, heroin and I hope it has fentanyl in it and I overdose and die. And then I won't be feeling this. I've never had that feeling. I'm not a person who has like suicidal thoughts. That's never been part of my thing. I've done, you know, I've had bad things, but I've never had that. And I just kept thinking about that. And I was thinking about other suicide things. I was just like, I can't. I can't. Ray, are you breaking down on the show? Oh, my sorry. God. I'm sorry. I was just in such pain. I couldn't make it go away. So you used the alcohol to make it go away. Yeah. Are you okay? I'm, yeah, I'm okay. So what happens is, and I've been in a situation like that before, when you need, when you just need to feel loved by this guy, do you want me yes. to stop it? No, I'm good. Jesus, Ray, um, I love you, and I'm sorry that you've been in this terrible pain. And and like, it was awful. The scariest thing is that the only way that you could deal with it was by using, you know. And, yeah. Or and then. And then and me, I, and, me and Ray went for a long walk, I, and, and we had a great conversation. And by the end of it, he was feeling better. And uh, 
he was very reliant on this man to make him feel good. And then and, when the dude came home. And, and you know, I've always scoffed at the, uh, a subset of like recovery is these like. Uh, sex and love. Sex and love addiction. And I was like, that's bullshit. All those people are crazy. And now I was like, I totally get it. I totally, like, I was using love like a drug. And I was. You were. Was, you are. I am. And I was having like the good and the bad part of it at the same time. And I've, I've been crying every day. So what are we going to do about this? What's the plan? Uh, well, I haven't been drinking since I talked to you. And, um, and you know, I haven't been using any drugs. And I've been all right. And I don't know. I'm trying to be sane and deal with this. Uh, yeah, take a tissue, please. Uh, I think this is the first time anyone's ever cried on Dopey. I didn't. Uh, it's awesome, Ray. I was oh, crying yesterday, too. You didn't call me when you were crying. I'll tell you about that later. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, I, I went to a meeting this morning, right? I, I woke up early. I took the train in, and I, you know, I, my dad just came home from his trip, and I knew that I had a little bit of time, and I didn't want to wake my dad up, and I knew there was a 7.30 meeting I could go to. So I walked down to this meeting, and I swear the meeting sucked so bad. Meetings suck. So, you know, people have said to me, you should go to a meeting. And I'm like, I hate meetings. Well, that's, but, but the point is, though, some meetings really suck, and they're insufferable. But when you're feeling so vulnerable and you're in so much pain, they offer a lot of, like, techniques, and, and and I know that the the high test vodka is not a good technique to deal with love sickness. And I also know as a as an addict, and I don't you know I don't particularly subscribe to a disease model or whatever. I just know that I am obsessive, and when I have an obsession, I'm obsessive too. Uh, I need that thing. I remember somebody came on Dopey years ago, and we were talking about the kind of parallel between needing that that you know, affection or even just that knowledge that somebody cares or whatever. And he would talk about people texting him like scraping a bag of dope. Like he would need that text like he was scraping a bag. Yeah. And it's like that because as soon as you got the message from this man, you were instantly reinvigorated as though you had, you had been dope I sick, got a shot and felt better. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, the, the reason I was crying yesterday is I was sitting in bed and I opened up my my messenger and it, and I had said to a friend, I'm feeling really bad. I didn't go into specifics. And he wrote to me and said, if you ever need someone to talk to, here's my number. And when just that made me start crying, I Why? started bawling because I was just thinking about calling him and like what that conversation would be and why I was in just, just the idea of like calling this friend of mine just made me start crying. Just was it to, was it like sadness or was it crying that just that feeling that you there's a it connection? Was, it was the feeling of like I have a friend and he's offered to help me and also like what I would tell him and it was just it was too much. Too much. It was all overwhelming. Well, I mean, I don't know that I've been particularly helpful in in all this stuff. Obviously, you've, you've been very helpful. But my point is I think this dude has to go. You know what I mean? Like it's like you are at the edge of your life. You know, you're talking suicidal ideation, you're drinking, and um, it's dangerous, and I worry about it, you know? And I, and I only suggest meetings because you can hear people that are worse off than you, and you can get some ideas of, of little techniques in these moments so you don't 
you know, you were talking about drinking and getting crystal. That was your plan that night. You remember? Right. That was yes. the first thing you said to me. Yes. You know? Um, and then after we had a, a, a long, really, I mean, we didn't have some therapeutic conversation. Dave, I walked with Dave and we got to here and I was like, okay, bye. He's like, I'm not letting you go. We're going to walk like more blocks then we're going to walk the other way until you're like worn out and you are and you tell me you're not going to do drugs and drink but i i i love you and i i was doing it to have fun and also i knew that you needed it to, to get because you were spun out in your head you know and but and we weren't talking so much about obsession and addiction we were having fun you know and um and we talked a little bit about it but you wound up getting decompressed and yeah. you and you realized who you were again yeah i felt better I'm not an expert on this kind of stuff whatsoever. I just know that I, I want you to be happy and, and as alive and, and in this world as much as you can. And it's like long-term happiness versus short-term yeah. happiness. And I'm, it's, yeah, I'm not an expert either. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. It's kind of all new territory for me. Or, you know, it's, it's all new to me. It's so much like drugs, though. It's so much like drugs. It's the weirdest thing, you know, because it's this thing that gives you this total burst of being out of your head yeah. and feeling totally comfortable and, and, and like, you know, in love. That's that thing of like the first time you take dope and you're like, this feels right. I, I remember it. You know, I remember like, like when, I, when I fell in love with weed and when, and when I fell in love with heroin and that feeling that everything was okay mm-hmm. and that everything would be okay as long as I had that thing, yeah. which is what we're talking about yeah, here. Yeah. And... Um, you know, you need to figure out a way to live with it in a healthy way. But, um, you know. I, that, that thing with weed, I'm, I'm still flabbergasted. But like when I first smoked weed when I was a teenager, and I'm like, I love this, and I loved it, and I loved it. And then I started not loving it, and I hate it, and I continue smoking it for the rest of my life. Like, that's such a drug addict thing to do. I, I, lo- I, I was like that with Coke and with meth. I yeah, did yeah. it even though I hated it. Yeah, yeah. With I think- weed, I fucking loved weed so much. Like, I see, like, memes with weed on them. I yeah. just want to post them on Dopey because I love the weed so much, you know? Um, I had all this stuff to talk about, but now I'm so flabbergasted that you wept on Dopey. I mean, I think it's good for the show. Just so you know. I, I think it's good for you. It's a Anything cleansing. for the show. I think it's a cleansing of your soul. Um, what's gonna, what are you going to do? You don't know what you're going to do. I, I, I think I know what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? I'm, I'm going to live my life. You're going to ride this thing out. I'm going to ride it out. Well, I would like it if you saw it like a little I'll, bit of like uh, help. Yeah. And I, I just like where you can. Yeah. Meeting suck, but go because you're on a fucking tightrope here. Yeah. You have three days or something right now, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, like just bolster that piece so you can make the best decision that you can make. I'm not telling you to do something or not do something. I'm just saying... We need you as happy as you can be. Because there's what's and, that, what else is the point? You know, I, I'm a happy guy, right? You are. I'm always happy. Well, I wouldn't go. Well, that could be a problem too. Because yeah. who's always happy? <laughs> I mean, I'm I am I'm a guy that like is usually in a good mood and and there for other people listening to their problems. I've had that's how that's me. And now that it's it's changed. Well, now you have a huge problem. <laughs> and I forgot. I think I've, I think I've figured. I think it's fixed. It, how is it fixed? Uh, I'll tell you later. Okay. But I think it's fixed. I forgot to welcome... I feel very good. That's because he's back. <laughs> you, you got, you're, on the, you're in the fix right now. 
<laughs> that's why. That's why you feel very good. Yeah. Do you not see that? Uh, I guess, yeah. The converse side is when he's not around, yeah. and then you weep and want to kill yourself. You just said, <laughs> I want to kill myself when he's not around, and now you say it's fixed because he's around. I don't think you're seeing... It's like, when, it's like with an addict saying, I just scored, so I'm going to be okay. Yeah. It, it's That's what you're saying. Okay, we'll see. I think, you know... I think it, I don't know. I was, you know, I look at Dopey Mason and I hear people telling like debauched Dopey stories. And uh-huh. I'm like, I don't have those. I just have like so a lot of drugs and then a lot of drinking. I don't have like these crazy stories people have. Except when you shot PCP. I did that. And, and that you wouldn't not shoot heroin and coke. You wouldn't not sniff them. You'd only shoot them. What? No, the opposite. You'd only sniff them? Yeah. What did you use to shoot though? Well, I did shoot. Yeah. And, uh, and what about. This story that you were so lovesick that all you wanted to do was shoot heroin with fentanyl and die. <laughs> I think that you. Then I wouldn't have killed myself. I just overdosed. And how about all of the incredibly debaucherous Ray stories that I'm not allowed to tell? Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah. come on. You know, one time, this was a long time ago, my boyfriend and I were going to go out to see Marianne Faithful at the Ritz. And I think it was Quaaludes. We took Quaaludes. It wasn't heroin. We took a pill. And to get ready to so we'd be high for the show, and our roommate found us both asleep in the shower with the shower on. We could have drowned. That's pretty debauched. That would be the way to go, drowning in the shower. Drowning in the shower. And then Marianne Faithful like, took heroin before the show, and she was all fucked up on stage, and they booed her off the stage. <laughs> yeah. Marianne Faithful would be an amazing dopey guest. She's, she's one of the... She's an old lady. Have you seen her recently? Uh, no, but... I, but I, you know, I never mentioned this on yeah. the show, but, you know, I, I've been trying to get Courtney Love on the show for years, yeah, yeah. and I got into this place where I she was messaging with me, Courtney yeah. Love, and she started messaging me about Marianne Faithful. What'd she say? She's, like, friends with her, yeah. and she's in England, was hanging out with I, her. A friend of mine is friends with Marianne Faithful. Well, you never know. But I, you know what I didn't do is I didn't welcome... And Courtney Love is not messaging with me anymore. I yeah. totally fucked it up. Yeah. Um, so Dopey Nation, you guys should hit up Courtney Love to come on the show. Um, I didn't welcome the new This American Life rerun listeners to the show. Ray oh. totally sidetracked me oh. with, the, with this incredible welcome. display of emotion. Welcome new listeners. I'm a very emotional guy. Dude, if you guys are worried about Ray, write an email. I'll pass it along. Or just hit him up through the Dopey Nation. He loves that kind of attention. Don't you? Love me. Love him. Love I love me. you. I love you, Ray. Um, <laughs> I need love. Everybody needs love. I also want to say that, did you see the Recovery Today article that yes. called me an influencer? Yes. That's they great. obviously don't know what an influencer is. I don't know what an influencer is. Me neither. But apparently, apparently I'm an influencer uh, in Recovery Today. So check that out. Well, you are an influencer. Such a farce. You influence people. I, okay, that's great. Who do I influence and how do I influence them? All these people that... That write to you and say, thank you for doing the show. It's helped me so much. I'm, just, I'm a conduit. And I'm just, all I really am is a junkie who wanted to do a talk show. Yeah. And then it turned out that I'm doing a talk show about being a junkie. Yeah. That's all it is. And I got an email today just, just so we can deal with reality here. And this is the other piece of the This American Life uh, resurgence. This American Life obviously did a piece about Chris and I last February and a ton of people listen to it. And then I start getting the emails about the people who just start listening to the show, and they start complaining that I interrupt Chris too much, which 
always just <laughs> it just kills me. So today, this you morning, did. you interrupted Chris a lot. That's what made the show entertaining. <laughs> so this morning, I get this email. So I started, and it's from I'm not going to say her name. So I started hearing. So I started hearing your podcast. You don't hear a podcast. You listen you hear to it. it. You fucking listen to it. So I started hearing your podcast. Chris was amazing. Dave, you, on the other hand, <laughs> in episode seven, it was so hard to get through it. And it's a shame because Chris clearly had a good story. And you kept butting in. Like, hush. We actually wanted to hear Chris's story. Well, when I did the show with you and Chris, and I had just met Chris... And I was uncomfortable because you were so mean to him in the oh, room. Oh, stop it. You were so Give me, mean. just and, stop and it. And like berating him. Dude. And I'm like, I just met this guy. And now Dave is like yelling at him on the, on the podcast. Let's just be clear about something. In the 142 episodes that Chris got to do, number one, he loved it when I was mean to him. He loved it because it was like... It was fun. We were playing. He loved, and he loved the attention. Number Some two. Some of what you said was like near crossing a line. Like what? When you would like berate him about his lack of musical knowledge. He didn't care about that. He didn't? Not at all. Why would okay. he care? I don't he know. confused fucking Prince with Queen. <laughs> for starters. He didn't know anything, he and he loved young. it. He was young. He wasn't that young. He was 33. <laughs> um, and the other thing is that... Um, in the hundred, I just want to say this to the woman who wrote me this email. Yeah. In the 142 episodes that Chris got to be around for, he told all of the stories. It all came out. The, the me interrupting was me just trying to keep the show moving, everybody. That's just what I was trying to do. And I also want to say somebody else sent me an email or a message about they listened to a dopey episode, episode 105. And uh, it's a really funny episode. What's that one? We were talking about Oz and we were talking about... Chris loved doing the show, and I loved doing the show with Chris, and um, the idea that I could have hurt his feelings in any of those exchanges bothers me, but I know that I didn't. I okay. know that he enjoyed it, and fuck you uh, for what? trying to make me feel bad, I Ray. think I heard the Oz episode. It was funny. I mean, we, the episodes, we, it, was, it was super funny. Um, let's move it along. We had a very, 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 very... But first of all, I'm worried about you. Just so I'm going to put that out there to the Dopey Nation. And I'm sure the Dopey Nation is incredibly worried about you. And I'm sure the Dopey Nation has experienced... And I know I've experienced what we're talking yeah, about. everyone's experienced it. You know, that love sickness, that needing the reassurance. I just haven't experienced it in a long time. That's... I, give me... Come on. I, dude, I've known you for a long time. And this is a pattern for you. This is... This, this one is off the charts. The intensity for this one is beyond every other one times a billion. Yeah. But it's, it's still part of the, you know, craving attention yeah. and love and stuff that we all... And it's natural. I, don't, I do not fault you for any of it. You really think I was way too tough on Chris? You think he's musical? I mean, come on. He didn't know anything. That was I don't know. Thing. I had just met him, and, I, and, and you were just like, Berating him and saying things about I know, yeah. but you actually listened. You you spent a bunch of time over the summer listening to the show, painting. Were you sensing like I, I don't even need to? I don't want to know the answer. Okay, no, tell me the answer. What's the answer? I, he he, you're right. He seemed to enjoy it, but I, but it, like he wouldn't do that to you, and you would do it to him. He did do it to me. Oh, okay, he just wasn't as good at it as oh. I was, <laughs> and and um and he could take it way better than I could, and he loved he loved that. Thing and it was magical on the show. Okay, what do you mean? Okay, all right. You you, don't, you disagree? I couldn't take it if you did it to me. I would never do it to you. But that was what made Chris, Chris was very fucking special. And um, 
I don't know. It was a magical thing, and I, I miss him, and I wish that he could do the show still because it, so, it was so funny and fun. Yeah. And he would get back at me in weird, weird ways doing the show. It was just, it was just the, that was the dynamic, and it was great. Um, moving forward, though, we, I had the, uh, the distinct treat to venture into the history of rock and roll, the history of New York City punk rock, and, uh, and get this guy on the show. He was a singer, major player in the band The Dictators. His name is Handsome Dick Manitoba, and I got to talk to him. All right, this is very exciting. I'm on the Lower East Side, and I work on the Lower East Side. Don't worry about that. I'm with legendary punk rock New York City Jew, <laughs> Handsome Dick Manitoba. Welcome to the show. I am so happy to be here. I can't, I can't express my joy. Really? Is that much joy? It's either knowing you already is that much joy. That's beautiful. Before we do anything, Handsome Dick Manitoba uh, has a website called, what's the website called? It's going to shock you. HandsomeDickManitoba.com. He's got a podcast called You Don't Know Dick. You Don't Know Dick. And he's got a record called Born in the Bronx. And I do this because I'm very forgetful, and I want to put it in the front to put your nice, sweet mind at ease before we start. Yes. The website's great because it's got, it's got stories. You can, buy, you can buy swag. And also it has, I had a bar called Manitobas for 20 years on the Lower East Side. It's got every picture I took off the wall, about 70 photos on, on the website. It's a really, really great website. Now, but most importantly, Handsome Dick Manitoba is a drug addict in recovery, and he was in a great punk band called The Dictators. Now, how, now when you came up, uh, what, what about rock and roll hit you? When did it hit you? I see you've got the Beatles signatures tattooed on your arms. Was it the Beatles that hit you? Um, as Mr. Van Zant Stephen would say, that was the Big Bang, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. When I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, the road, the musical road was paved. And when I met Keith Richards, I also said to him, because they're my other favorite band, I said, thank you for paving the road for music for the rest of my life. How old were you when you met Keith and Richards? And he goes, you poor sick bastard. Right. I met him about four years ago up at Sirius. Wow. Was that just like did it did it bug you out to meet him? Was well, it a- he was he was coming out of the bathroom and he had a couple of guys around him. I said, "Fellas, forget it. I'm getting a picture." And I said, "I go I, I immediately, verbally, quickly said, um, Keith, Keith, it happens in my age, Keith. I got to get a picture with you. I work for Little Steven, and I was wearing a schmata on my head." And he goes, uh, oh, I couldn't tell. Uh-huh. He had this real cough, like this like sort of laugh cough. And then he just made like three or four jokes. We got an amazing photo with our arms around each other like we were friends for 30 years. And uh, he left. You know the, the old story, Keith Richards used to live down here on the Lower East Side, and he used to cop dope down here. And he would walk around the neighborhood with a gun. And if anybody ever fucked with him, he would pull out the gun on them. On the Lower East Side, Keith Richards in the, in the early 80s. 
You ever heard that story? No, I never heard that. Yeah, it's crazy. But I um, heard a, a story about a friend of mine in the Bronx when the Mexican tar, the mud, came in. He's a Jewish guy, but he had Mexican relatives, and they used to bring bring it into the neighborhood. The it was, black tar into the Bronx. It's the kind of stuff you'd look at and your stomach would churn. Uh-huh. And uh, supposedly, Keith, supposedly, I don't know this for a fact, but he told us that Keith would call him occasionally when he had a layover like at Kennedy for two hours, and he would just take a cab out there and, and give Keith you know what he needed and uh, and when did you get into drugs how did that happen you know when you were on your way over here i was thinking oh my god this is going to be like a dragnet episode you know that's good that's good for me that makes a good dopey episode well i love i I love jack webb and i loved i loved when he had that that debate with the the lsd guy and he has, you know, you don't see what's going on now. I see these kids, you know, it's amazing. You look it up on YouTube, the debate with Jack Webb. Anyway, you know, it's like, it started. What it started? It started with, I smoked pot. I smoked hash. I loved it. I hate it now. I mean, I, I hate it. I got to the point where I wound up hating it. I started with that. And then, you know, Quaaludes came in. And How old are we talking about? It's... It, mm, I probably started 15. I probably started graduating at 16 and 17 to uh, two and all, second alls, and the variety of, of Quaalude-type muscle relaxers, um, which I really loved because it was like a dry drunk. I think I caught the last batch of fake Mandrake's Quaaludes when I was uh, in my early 20s, and I, I think we get them in Tijuana, and, uh, and I love them too. They just obliviate you, you know. I mean, like second, describe second all and two and all to the audience of young people that never took these drugs. It just, it just turned you into jelly. Like it's <laughs> not like you drank and your stomach got upset or you felt sick or you threw up or you know, you know, just drinking sucks. You eat two pills and you just like felt really, really loose, really relaxed. And basically, all I ever wanted to do when I took Quaaludes was saying, who wants to fuck? Right. And there were a couple, but not that many. <laughs> you know, they weren't exactly raising their hands like a classroom. They weren't dying to fuck you on second all in Quaaludes? It depends who, what, when, Who was around what. and how handsome Dick Manitoba was on that day. And how they were. Right. Um, now, when did the dictator start? Well, we had a uh, fanzine called the Teenage Wasteland Gazette, named after uh, the Who's line from a Who's song, yeah. And um, it was total silliness. Um, some of my friends were up. Like, I, I have to tell you, like, I'm not mentioning names. I'm not giving anybody credit who I can't stomach. So okay, I don't right care. Now. That's fine. I, I don't care. <laughs> it's not lying. It's just. I'm uh, sure they are all listening right now too. It's just. It's just leaving out. It ain't lying. <laughs> all right. Omitting. You know. Omitting. Some, some people say omitting is a form of lying, but we're not going to deal with that. Okay. Well, we had a uh, led by a different member of the band, a uh, fanzine. And event, it was it was basically the literary version. It was like really silly, stupid. Like we got drunk and vomited all over each other, and, and you know, like just funny, goofy, not funny. And it was the literary version of the dictators. And then at some point, the evolution was a rock and roll band is cooler than a fanzine. Absolutely. And what year was that? Probably. The embryo was probably around 73. Wow. 
Okay. So, like, in terms of punk rock, all you really had then was the Stooges and the New York Dolls had come around, right? You know, what's a funny thing about that is uh, Giorgio Gamelski passed away, and, and he, he used to manage the Rolling Stones in a very famous club. He, he, was, he was center in Swinging London. He was a centerpiece in Swinging London. Um, he managed and worked with the Yardbirds. I mean, forget it, Rolling Stones, Yardbirds, you're in. So I remember him saying once, like, this is punk rock. He did like a Russian accent. He goes, you cannot call this punk rock. There was no such thing as punk rock. So it brings up an interesting musical question of if we call something punk rock or hardcore now, can we go back 30 years and find music with similar um, characteristics and say that was punk rock? Because you just called the Dolls punk rock and the Stooges punk rock and maybe the MC5 punk rock. There was no thing, such thing as punk rock. Can you go back and call them punk rock? Because You can. But, but I, I don't know that we can go back. Like You can go back to the garage bands of the 60s and say, well, wow, that, that really nasty, snotty punk rock. Thing. But you can just say, why don't you just say they are the godfathers or the grandfathers. Well, that's what people do say. Yeah. That's what people yeah. do and say. And if you want to call I mean, you know, it's not like wrong to say, you know, we can go back and call it's, it, it. It doesn't it's, make it, a difference. The it's words, just a word. yeah, it's yeah. Just, yeah, the words don't matter that much. So, but more importantly, it's the spirit. And so it's 1973, and you're moved by that style of music, though, right? Well, the weird thing about the dictators is, is and probably... I hate to try to figure out like why it didn't work better because it could be reason A, reason B, reason C, reason D, and reason E. And E could be people didn't buy it. And all those other things are just bullshit excuses to make yourself feel better. Or it could be the truth. You'll never know. And the first reasons are that we were too all over the place musically and style-wise. Like, we wore jeans, I hate jeans, we wore dungarees, and we wore leather jackets. That was our outfit. But we weren't smart enough to make it our outfit. Along come the Ramones, and they were smart enough to make it their outfit. Along come the Ramones, and they were smart enough to get in a van and say, we're doing what we do. This is what we do. But the Ramones, they could take a, a, a Ronette song and just you know, feed it through the Ramones machinery. Right. And it becomes like, you know, uh, a fast, like, you know, upstroke, I mean, downstroke uh, Johnny uh, song. And, um, well, that was their vision. Their vision was to, you know, I was talking to somebody about it today and they were like, well, the Ramones are obviously punk, but the Ramones are, are pop. You know, they want to play pop music. And I, I love that stuff. You know what I mean? I love the feeling of uh, unbridled energy, and I love the pop music. So it won me over. Um, at what point did you guys, like, start playing around New York and, and start existing in the scene? Well, before, just let me throw the, the end, let me tie that last thing Please, up. please do. We, I, we, we love the Who. We, we try to sound like the Who. We love the Beach Boys. Therein could have been one of the problems. What are people biting into? This band plays surf music. This band plays heavy metal. This band plays British pop. You know, like, who are we? What are we about? I think that might have been confusing. That's like A, B, C, D. That could be one of those. That's all. Next. What was that question? How about the Who, though? I, I, one thing I love about the Who is when they would play the Beach Boys. 
when they would stretch out, like because Barbara Ann. Yeah, I love that. I love I love Keith Moon's love of that. It was so fun, and, and you, I felt like Pete Townsend hated it, but he loved that Keith Moon loved it, and he like wanted to make Keith Moon happy when I would when I would see it, you know. Like that's what I always interpreted. I, I remember so many things from being on radio for fourteen years, uh, but except the guy's name who wrote Barbara Ann. Uh, he was in a band called The Regents, and uh, this is the thing I always said: Do you find this odd or not? He wrote like like went to a dance looking for romance, saw Barbara Ann, and I thought I'd take my chance. Barbara Ann was his sister. Wow. So think of those lyrics. <laughs> Weird or just like, I think I'll write a nice song about my sister. That is odd. That is yeah. very odd. Um, so since our show is not about music as much as I love music and it's about drugs, um, where did where, tell me about like what happened with you with the drugs. When did the drugs get serious and what did it look like? Well, across the street from my house, one of the songs on my record, Born in the Bronx, is called Magenta Park. My life was split in half, mostly with the um, long-haired, hippie, you know, um, acid, pot types. Those were my better friends. They were very bright academically. They went to Bronx High School of Science. I went to Evander Childs, which is across the street from my house. And sometimes I didn't want to go over and hang out with these, uh, like, potheads. Intellectual hippie types. Yeah. So I... Went across the street and hung out with guys who had like guns and you know it was shooting heroin and uh, uh, this playground was so notorious they would sell a thousand quaaludes and every Friday night singles but not like one but you know, give me four give me five give me twenty give me two they'd sell a thousand out every night and and you know I wasn't one of the tough guys man I couldn't be one of these tough guys these were these were these were friggin' tough guys. These were guys with knives and guns and like uh, lots of drugs and in and out of jail. But it was right across the street from my house. It's called Magenta Street. And like that was the difference between me and a lot of guys in the dictators. I felt comfortable. I felt comfortable everywhere. Even when I was thrown in jail. I was like hanging, hanging out, talking to the guys. And yet I can also go to dinner with my friends who were like, you know, millionaire lawyers and have bright conversation. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not academically. Uh, you have a gift for gab. You're a social, you're a social guy. Yeah, but you also have enough life experience and, and there's a way I'm smart. It's not classically it's street academic, smart. but you know, I could hang with anybody. No, I understand what you mean. Um, did you develop? Did you? When did a habit come in, and was it coming in at the same time as the music developing and playing gigs and stuff? Well, that's a tough one in terms of of memory of uh, of the time we started playing gigs. Uh, we started playing gigs, opening up for Blue Oyster Cult a lot. We were managed by this and produced by the same people, the late, great Sandy Perlman and Murray Krugman um, managed and produced us. And Blue Oyster Cult was owed a lot of favors. You know, they gave Kiss opening slots because Kiss um, Kiss had to give us an opening slot because they gave Kiss opening slots and so on. Um, I don't think I was hardcore yet until I think I was still more like uh, more into just like pills and and, and Drinking, drinking, because it was easy. I think around, my best guess, 76, 77, 
Um, I remember being up one of the guys in the band's house. I, this might have been the first time I really got fucked up. And there was like brown tar or something really heavy. And I snorted it. I didn't know nothing about needles. I snorted it. And I snorted like whatever, like eight snorts. And and, uh, and then like 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, I retched. I threw my guts up. I mean, the veins were popping out of my neck. The veins were popping out of everywhere. And I was just vomiting. I was like, it was like... It was like Family Guy when the dog vomits, right. like, just like fucking, bam, bam, bam. And uh, to me, this is, uh, in a nutshell, the difference between an addict and a non-addict. A non-addict would go, that was so disgusting, I'm never doing it again. And I went, that was fucking great, give me more. And, and I wanted more. And um, eventually I, I um, wound up, hanging out with people who use needles, and uh, I learned how to use... Well, they always hit me. They always hit me first. And uh, I had found my love. Shooting dope, I had found my love. I wound up uh, living with a girl. It's in a famous picture that I actually sell on my website of me when CBGB's had that new warning. And uh, it's a great story. I'll try to make it. I don't want to make it too long. David Godless, great rock and roll photographer. Bowery. The Bowery, when the Bowery was the Bowery, there were no chocolate martinis. There were, there were Christian missions and flop houses and, and where we'd go get drunk because it was 30 cents a shot, you know? And this guy, and I was a dope fiend, and this guy dropped his wallet with like $13 in it. And I found the wallet. And there's, there's something about me that was still kind of a good guy. Somewhere down inside. The nice Jewish boy inside you came out. Yes, exactly. And I gave him his wallet back and he freaked out. And he goes, let me take a picture. I'm a photographer. So we turned around. I had my big afro. We had that white satin brand new dictator's baseball jackets that looked like it said Dodgers um, with red lettering. And I was with my girl at the time, Jody, And we faced... The CBGB's awning, and I just grabbed her like a six pack, right? And uh, and he took the picture, and it's kind of a famous. It's in every punk rock book, and um, that was it. This became like a legendary photo because of that. However, Rod Stewart says every picture tells a story. The end of the story is a few years ago, a friend of mine called me up and goes, "This is about seven or eight years ago." Look what I found. And he sent me this, this uh, thing online that showed um, uh, women, Christian uh, women who, you know, save people. Not save people, but, you know, help people who are in insufferable positions and conditions. And uh, that's a good line for a song, positions and conditions. There you go. Um, and Born in the Bronx, too. <laughs> I got enough songs for it already. And um, I go down the list. Right of like Christian help women in jail, and I go down the list, and Jody's in there. And then I look up an article in like the San Jose Bee or something, and she was brought up for murder charges, taking care of an old lady, um, maybe with Alzheimer's. I don't know the story exactly, but which she murdered somebody, or she was taking care of a murderer. She was taking care of an old woman. Okay, so you know, cops come in, they got to dust any kind of death, they got to dust, they got to do what they do. Whatever they did showed up something that they brought her up on murder charges. I don't know what she did. I don't know what they found. 
but she was brought up on murder charges, and she was at the time, 10 years ago, in jail for 10 years, and saying, like, I like to knit. My mother and father are dead. Please be my friend. Like, it was like, she's like now. And I lived with her. And you'd open up, like, like you know, we had those, like, like aluminum fucking, aluminum, like, uh, chests of draw- drawers in the kitchen, you know, those old aluminum ones. You'd open up the top drawer, and there's just, like, 80 pieces and sets of works and and vitamin E. and. <laughs> Where did you live with her? In um, a very Jewish neighborhood at the time, a neighborhood I was bar mitzvahed in called Pelham Parkway in the Bronx. Sure. And you would come down to the Lower East Side to play shows? Uh, we'd go on the road and we'd, we'd come down to the Lower East Side to play shows. And, uh, and that was, by that time, it was just like everybody was doing dope. We'd hang out in titty bars. They were all doing dope. There was no AIDS. You weren't, you weren't, you still knew that you'd go to the doctor and you could get uh, an STD. uh, Thank you. STD. You can get it taken care of with a pill. There was no AIDS. There was no fear of death. There was just like the clap and stuff from, yeah. It was, it was like a cold. I got the cold. Now as, as somebody, I was three in 1977, but as a rock and roll fan, as a, and as a heroin addict, you imagine the scene. You imagine you and Johnny Thunders and Dee Dee Ramone all shooting up in some spot. Is that what it was like? Yep. So what was it like? That's what it was like. <laughs> so like all the bands were hanging out and getting high. Not every, everybody in my band wasn't into dope. I was the only one into dope. Same, uh, with, same with the Dolls. He was the only one into it, right? Or were they all into it? But I, my guess would be all of them were somewhat into it. I, I don't. That would be my guess. David Johansson refuses to come on Dopey. Really? Refuses. And I cry, because I, I, I work at Katz's, and there's a picture of him at Katz's. And you I work said, at Katz's? Yeah, and I said... I told uh, you I had a fight with that. Right? I know, I'm going to get you a sandwich. I didn't bring it. <laughs> but I said to him, I said, oh, I'm looking at your fucking picture right now. He's ignoring all my texts. And then when I wrote that, he goes, you don't have to curse. That was the only thing he responded to. David Johansson. He got angry that I wrote fucking on his Facebook thread. Maybe he's goofing. I don't know, man. But That's I, hard. That's do you hard. think he's sober? You think maybe he's not sober, and that's why he doesn't want to tell the story? Who knows? Does he drink wine when he does that other Buster thing? Point extra thing? I don't what know. What do you do over there, Katz's? Now I'm the head of strategic partnerships, but I was a waiter there for 10 years. I used to wait tables in Katz's. You have to be Spanish. Well, you have to be Dominican. But uh, I, I, I waited tables in Katz's for 10 years. I waited tables on heroin. Hi, all fucked up. Um, and I survived it. So tell me more about the heyday of CBGBs, you have all these bands. You have Blondie, Talking Heads, the Dead Boys, the Ramones, the Dictators. Who am I missing? Who is who is quintessential to the scene? And um, and and how much of an effect did drugs have on the scene, good or bad? Well, that's for you to say. You know, I I don't want to give. Uh, you know, I can tell you my opinion of yeah. who I like best. Um, the Ramones, we were we were friends with them. We were Ramones, friends with the Dead Boys. I'm still friends with Chris and and, and uh, Debbie from Blondie. Um, at the time, I was pals not with the lead singer, but with uh, the um, what's the name from Talking Heads, Chris and Tina Weymouth, Tom Tom Club guys. Yeah, yeah. The, the, those were my pals at the time. Lead singer, I never really had a conversation with. Uh, you know, I knew Richard Lloyd a little. I knew Richard Hell a little. But I mean, I, I might have talked to them like you know, twenty times for a minute in thirty years. You know, 
Um, we were very close with Hilly. Um, Richard Hell was a terrible junkie too, right? I think they all were. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think I, I never, I never got to see. I never got. I don't like to talk too much about people I never got high with. Um, there was a friend of mine who I absolutely adored. Um, I call him the last of the tough Jewish guys. <laughs> he would walk into a rock club and he'd see like these, like I don't want to mention the gang names, and he goes, "Who's a fucking mutt over there?" <laughs> you call him a mutt. It's old school, and he used to be with one of the families because he was an earner. And he sold shit, and he went to jail for two years, and and he never turned on anybody, and uh, so um, he had respect and some some sort of power backing. He was a Jewish guy from Brooklyn, and he was a diehard Brooklyn Dodgers fan, and and I was a diehard Yankee fan. So I used to just fucking torture him, telling him how much the Yankees were better, and he'd go nuts like. And we were actually really close friends, and. Um, Maybe he's dead. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't talk about him. Uh, his name was Elliot. Okay, his name was Elliot. And uh, the thing about Elliot that, that was cool was he was both. He was like on this whole dark side of life, and then he was all totally rock and roll. And he was also like like a vegan or a vegetarian at the time. He was a real... Character. He's a fascinating guy. The most fascinating thing, if you're a fan of... of uh, of a mob history is his uncle his uncle was Mickey Cohn. Wow. Who's one of the most famous mobsters ever. When they killed uh, Bugsy Siegel, his uncle took over Bugsy Siegel's rackets. Wow. That's pretty heavy. It is heavy. Yeah. Um when did it start becoming like not good for you being a junkie rock and roll hero? When did it go from fun and exciting to bad? Well, I'm going to assume it did. Yeah, it was always fun and exciting. Traveling to Europe uh, when we did in 77, when punk rock was really exploding over there and hey, making, hanging out with the Hells Angels and eating Mandrax and drinking. And, and um, you know, I, I would... So I would, you went on that tour in England in 77 the, when the Sex Pistols and, and the Clash... Sex Pistols couldn't play. Right. Yeah. Spots tour, they call it. Sex Pistols on tour secretly. And the Clash came to see us... We, we, we went to San Francisco, and we were like one of the first punk bands to play the Mabuhe Gardens, which is uh, on Broadway. It was a Filipino restaurant by day and a punk rock palace by night, and the Angels came to see us, and uh, Paul Kantner came to see us. From yeah. And, um, you know, it, it was all fun, 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 till Daddy took the T-Bird away. And uh, I guess in 78, after three failed major label albums... Um, and me getting more and more into and like I, I would have coke and I'd shoot coke and I hate coke, but I'd shoot coke and and dope and I loved it. But I still dope was the best. Dope was dope was my girlfriend. We finished doing all these shows in Europe. We finished doing all these shows in the states. 1978 had approached us. We had heard through the grapevine that that um, Southside Johnny and ACDC, who really liked us, uh, wanted us to open up for them and uh the band just broke up the band just said i guess they couldn't take me anymore with my drug habits so i wound up uh being pretty down and a friend of mine who i knew from the catskill mountains from going up to the 
Borschbelt, as they called it at the time, every summer. He had become a uh, Christmas tree guy. He had, saw, had like 40 spots in Manhattan. So he would You know, say, now it's all these French Canadians. Yeah, but they, they work for him. Really? Well, they did. I mean, let me put it this way. For 30 years, maybe more, from 78, 88, 98, 08, 18, 40 years, he, he started out with six places, 12 places. After a while, he had like 70 places in Manhattan. And what he does is the French Canadians come down and give him like, like $1,000 a spot, and everything after that is theirs, you know? But I don't know that that's still going on because I haven't seen him in about, uh, about a decade. So what did he do for you when you were all fucked up? Well, he gave me a job. Like, I'd come down from the Bronx, and I'd work, like, on 83rd and Broadway, eight hours a day, selling Christmas trees. And uh, th- it was pretty depressing, but and I did it. That's how you kicked dope, selling Christmas trees? No, I never, I never, I was weird how I got to do dope. I, was, I would do dope as much as I can, but I never had a habit to Wow. Work. Oh, no, never, once. I like like real, I, no, I felt really bad, and I felt like I had a really bad cold. But it was never like you know one of those movies from 1948 where you know <laughs> fucking jumping off a roof. I had I had a terrible terrible habit, terrible, fucking. I would get sick like every just constantly. I would I would I made doing dope everything. I wasn't in a big rock and roll band. I wasn't touring Europe and stuff. I was just doing dope in my apartment, you know. Um, so. At that the p- stupidest thing I ever did is I have a, I have a penchant for, for Spanish women. I like Spanish women. Okay. Uh, well, if they're a certain type of looking Spanish women. So I had a date with this really adorable Spanish girl. I went to the movies with her. And I had two bags of dope in my little side pocket. And like I couldn't wait. To, all I could think of is getting out of the fucking... I, like now I'd be like, like I gotta take her home and fuck her. I can't wait to fuck her. And then it was like, you know, I can't wait to get home and like just like take off all my clothes and lay in bed naked and shoot dope. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there it is. That's funny. Um, when you're fucking traveling the world and you're on tour with all these bands, can you think of any like particularly funny or crazy drug story like? Where you had to cop some place, or you had to, or you're in a weird situation, or you know what I mean, like any kind of like, we call them dopey stories, um, which are just drug stories. But can you think of anything off the top of your head, like where you're you're touring with, uh, like, did anything ever come up with uh, with Sid Vicious when he was getting his habit and that whole thing? The connection of the drug stories and being on the road is not. A fascinating or a great one for me. When I was in England, my my bandmates called me up from their room and said, "Sid is in our room. He's selling his leather jacket. How much does he want? Like like twenty pounds is like thirty two dollars or something." So I came down and look at his amazing, amazing leather jacket. And I go, "All right, Sid," and he goes like like sort of looking down at the ground, and I paid him for it. I brought it home. And uh, I was in, what you guys have to understand who weren't around in the 70s, there, there was like anarchy. There's like cops. You had to murder somebody to fucking have the cops' attention. Like, you could, like, there was like 12 after hours clubs. We'd leave the Bronx at midnight. We'd get downtown. We'd go to two, three different clubs, get an egg cream down on Canal Street. And then we would go to like an after hour club and leave at noon. Okay? So I'm there making out with this girl from the Bronx. And I turn around and the jacket's gone. 
Oh my god! And it was a it was a great jacket. It was like a one of a kind. Dude, that jacket's worth heavy. like who knows but that's it's worth the thing. Now. They don't know it's Sid's jacket. That's so funny. And, and so I lost Sid's jacket in the middle of the winter. It wasn't too good. <laughs> Do you, and, uh, does that ever keep you up at night now? Nah, that's uh, I've had far more than. That. <laughs> it's funny though, right? I have far more far more uh, bad dreams than that. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, you know, also, I mean, I remember copping balloons, what they called in Oakland. Um, some of the great stuff was um, uh, in the legendary hotel, which supposedly was owned by Sandy Koufax, who I named my kid Jay Koufax, great lefty Jewish pitcher. Um, he, uh, he had a uh, hotel called the Tropicana. And then downstairs, there was a place where you got breakfast and lunch and Dukes, Dukes of the Tropicana. Tropicana was the greatest. It had an upstairs, like, it, was like, it, was, it was like a, a motel rather than a hotel. The upstairs, you know, around, and then downstairs, like 20 rooms, upstairs, like 20 rooms. And I, that was probably the most fun I ever had in my life. I was like just taking a shower with this girl that I met at Soundcheck and we were fucking and then I meet this other girl like two hours later we just driving all around New York and my friend gives her her fucking wings and we're driving around in a in a in a MGB GT British Racing Green convertible and like she had never done dope and like I was like fucking madly in love with her and uh, we were just eating pills when we couldn't do dope in LA um those were like the 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 happier moments. Um, this uh, better stories locally than than there are traveling. I mean, you know, like I say, I hung out with the Angels and took Mandy's. And were you getting high in that at the clubhouse over here? On a no, no, no. I friends. I, I I I'm smart enough to know they are who they are, and I'm not. Their friend. Do they like Jews at all? Well, or should we not talk about that? No. Well, well, well what I could tell you is is uh, is one of them. You know, I walked by the clubhouse. My kid was seven years old. One of them goes, "Jay, come here," and he gives him a motorcycle that was his kid's first motorcycle ever. Wow. Toy motorcycle. The other guy, who I'm friends with. And I'm not, see, when you say friends with, you guys say, okay, but they were in Hell's Angel. So you don't cross certain boundaries, but you got to be, you grow up in the streets, you know, you're smart. But the other guy is my friend. I've known him for 30-something years, before he was H.A. And, uh, you know, like on my birthday party last year, I didn't have a big party. I just said, hey, you want to stop by, say hi, I'm just going to be hanging out in a bar. He came by longer than any of my old friends did. He came by for three hours. I go, oh, I don't want to say his name. No. What are you doing? He's like, come and fucking hang out. So he hung out, we talked, we laughed. You know, now it's not like that with everybody, but but um, I tell you what, one time I was going to get my ass kicked and uh, I dropped his name and the guy goes, if you didn't know him, I'd fucking kick your ass. Wow. And uh, he, he's the guy to know. He's well known like all over the world of AJ. You know? Right. And saved you. And, and it saved a good, you. good friend of mine. I can, I can drop his name in 10 different countries and get props. Is it okay to do the New York thing? Yeah, of course. It's ridiculous because uh, me and, and Jody went, you couldn't go in the boys' bathroom. There was no door. It was a toilet bowl and like an, it was like jail. It was like a metal sink and a toilet bowl with no door. What would we do? Shoot dope in there. Where, I saw well, that's why they didn't have the door though, right? Yeah, but that a door, door stalls in the girls' bathroom. Bad, right? It's probably legal. 
right? So we went in the girls' bathroom, and it had a good flusher. You know what I mean by a good flusher? Like it flushed every three seconds and really intensely. It wasn't like one of these like gobble things that waits like three minutes to fill up. It was like, Psh! okay, hold on a few seconds. You can flush it again. So, so the water was f- fresh, fresh, clean water. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we couldn't have anyone come in. There was no lock on the stalls. So what I did was put my feet up on the toilet bowl. We lifted the seat. and put a, I put my feet up on the toilet bowl and my back against the door. So I was the lock. So we flushed the toilet like four or five times. We drew up our water and we shot dope in the bathroom with that water. You and the, Jody, the murderer, yeah. are in the toilet stall and you're the lock on the the bathroom door. I love yeah. it. She was, I knew she wasn't going to get better. I could just tell because I talked to her years later. She just, she didn't have any of that, uh, you know, I've had enough of this. Like, I never heard any, any of that kind of stuff in her voice. Me and my friend Cliffy, who I do miss, who I n- never had words with. The fun- He's the funniest guy in the world. I grew up with him. I go, Cliffy! I drive up my father's car. He lived on the other side of the projects. Cliffy, let's rock! At 12 o'clock at night, we go downtown and we fucking wreaked havoc till all night. So Cliffy uh, and I were sitting right by the side of CBGB's in a dark part of that block. And uh, we're getting off and the cops pull up. And then we throw everything on the ground really quick and Cliffy just sends it in. It's fucking, I'm not worried about sending it in. I said, you better fucking have the right attitude because I'm not going to fucking jail and becoming somebody's girlfriend tonight, all right? So, What do you mean he sends it in? He just sent, it was like he was trying to get hit in the vein. He just shot it and he just like He just grabbed it and just just sent it wherever it was so he he wouldn't waste it, quote unquote. Okay. So so the cops go, what do you think, we're fucking assholes? Like they saw those, and and he's got attitude. I felt like smacking him in the head. I go, no, sir, we don't think you're assholes. I think we're, I, I just totally kissed their ass. I said, I think we're assholes. And he goes, I'll tell you what. Get the fuck out of here, and if we catch you again, we're taking you in. Said, yes, sir. I was shaking so bad that I drove the car down to the Mud Club, legendary club, you know, you know, Mud Club. And uh, we went inside, and there was, it was, it was an Asian guy in the girls' bathroom selling bootleg quaaludes. So I bought two, and then I ordered two triple Johnny Walker Blacks. Okay. And then I got on the dance floor and started dancing to reggae music. <laughs> and I can't fucking dance. Well, I bet you could that day, right? <laughs> so, so when did it all go, when it went bad, how did you know it had to be over? What happened was... Do you remember the last day? Yeah. There was a uh, woman visiting me, lovely, lovely woman. Because I hate to interrupt. You're saying you didn't have a dope habit, but you knew you were a drug addict. Well, I did it you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. I never, just never did it like 12 days in a row. I would do it like no, three, five like days in a row sure. and stop for a few days. and Feel you know. shitty, but not that shitty. I understand. I, listen, I didn't have the money. Cats is here. You're fucking rich. All right, take, take it easy. <laughs> My father sold shoes. He didn't work in Katz's. My father teach, uh, teaches for the, taught for the Board of Ed forever. I didn't work at Katz's. I worked at Katz's when I was in high school. And then I worked at Katz's when I got off methadone. So, like, I, I only used a little bit in this run of weight. How'd you tapes. get off methadone? 
fucking half a milligram a day, you know, like fucking blind detox. I was on 150 milligrams of methadone in, in, uh, in uh, California, and uh, I lived in Echo Park, and I was on 150 milligrams of methadone for six years, and uh, my mother got leukemia, and she told me she was dying, and I knew I had to leave Echo Park, and I knew I couldn't leave Echo Park if I didn't get off methadone. So I started kicking a blind kick so that I didn't know when I'd hit the 30 milligrams so I could go to detox. But that's how I did it. One milligram at a time over like a year. Uh, well, I uh, lived with that situation for quite a while. What do you mean? Well, let's put it this way. It wasn't me and it wasn't my son. So you're, yeah, okay. Your <laughs> wife. I was never married. I'm too smart. Yeah, me neither. But I understand what you're saying. But, but you can imagine. So, I mean, you know what it is. I went through it. I went through it. I was, you know, I went through it. I went through, uh, uh, if I can't get it, we can't go on vacation. I mean, yeah. what do you mean we can't go on vacation? I booked the flights. It's like, it cost me $3,000. Like, what do you mean? You got to get it, you know? And still, you can't necessarily get it. Um, when you started getting into sobriety, uh, what changed in your head and, and what did it, what was it like? Oh, by the way, as long as I met the I used to go down to 149th Street and 3rd Avenue at a clinic. And we used to buy spitbacks. You know what spitbacks I, are? I never heard that before, but tell me. You know what spitbacks are? I imagine it's like you, they, you yeah, take it would, in your mouth and yeah, they'd spit it back spit it, in the They'd bottom. take it in your mouth in front of the counter, spit it back, and then it was like what would happen was we'd go to the Burger King and there's like 16 people in there and all of a sudden you'd hear the clicks of the white top bottle yeah, of the yeah. methadone. You'd sure. hear like all these click, 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 16 bottles of methadone opening. Everyone throwing it down their throat, right? Then we'd walk across the street and there was some toothless Spanish guy who was selling Elevils because it kicks the methadone. Elevil, man. So he, but he would go like that. Elevil, Elevil, who need Elevil? Who need Elevil? So we go, yo, give me two Elevil. And then like, you know, we didn't, we couldn't afford dope. So that was like, you know, Third the price so methadone and Elevil is sounds like a, a great replacement. I, I, I the first time I kicked dope, I, I the first time I went to detox, I went to Beth Israel, right? And there was a kid in the, I, I was like the youngest person in the detox. I was probably twenty four. There was a girl who was like nineteen, uh, Spanish girl. I always assumed she was a lesbian because she was very masculine. The last night I kicked dope. The last night she goes, I got Elevil. You want one? And I was like, yes. And I took an Elevil the last night of my detox in Beth Israel, and I got higher than, like, I had ever been. Really? And I just, like, and I left the next day just fucked up. And it, you know, obviously I copped dope the next day, too. Uh, but it was, like, Elevil. It was, like, I remember. Because I'd never done it since, either. I thought it was very strong. Did you find it strong, Elevil? You went back, like, 40 years. <laughs> it, kicked, it kicked the methanide. That's right. all I know. It sure. kicked it up, you know? It was cheaper than dope. So venturing into sobriety, what changed? So what happened was my bottom was uh, this beautiful girl, who, who, um, um, half Chinese, half, I don't know what, but I'm still in touch with her on Facebook once in a while. She's a lovely, beautiful girl, much younger than me. Um, well, at the time she was probably 20, I was probably 28 or something. And I met her in St. Louis when I was road managing for... Um, my friend at the time, Ben, 
And uh, she came to visit me in New York. I said, oh, I got to go get some pot. I said, I got to get some pot. I would be copping cot dope, turn the corner on 9th Street dope, uh, coke, 8th Street dope. I mean, 8th Street, people, people don't remember. I know I'll get to, to your point, but people don't remember that, that 8th Street, which has like gardens with keys and, and full buildings, were like three half burned out buildings that looked like war ravaged territories. And I'd sit in those buildings on cinder blocks with Spanish guys named Blackie while they were getting off in their feet and I was getting off. Or you'd go to someone's house with 20 belts on it and you'd pay like a dollar for the belt and $2 for the works and you just rinse it out with really hot water and you're shooting dope and someone else is ODing in the corner and the woman's smacking him in the face and throwing milk down his throat trying to make him vomit. It was, it was absolutely insane. None of, and then it was like, it was like, how many bags did he do? Three. I go, give me two. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and you never know. I mean, you walk down the street, it was Night of the Living Dead. People coming to you, what you need, Poppy? What you need? Green tape. Green tape is hot today. Green tape. Then I get stoned and I'd start trying to talk Spanish. I go, yo, mommy, what's up? Yo, okay, I said, no, no, that's Italian. Uh, but I start trying to talk Spanish because I knew a little Spanish. They go, Poppy, Poppy, you got to go. You got to go. It's hot here. It's hot. So I, they threw me off the block. And, uh, and, um, this girl that, going back to this girl that was visiting me, I would drive around saying, I need pot. Meanwhile, I'm getting coke and dope. So I'm shooting dope and coke in, in, in my parents' house with her and not knowing what's going on. And then the next day or two days later, I'm hanging out with my friends from that band and I cop coke and I cop dope and I cop quaaludes and I took all of them. And um, I went over to my friend Manny's house and I went out and they revived me. You OD'd or you just blacked out? Or you don't, who knows? I don't know because all I know is they revived me. Right. I, 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 I never actually uh, said that, you know. That you OD'd or whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, they, it was, they didn't give me uh, Narcan or anything, so I guess I just blacked out. And- I don't know. People back then could OD and get thrown in the fucking tub with ice or people yeah. would shoot them with coke and, and that would bring them back from yeah. an OD. I don't oh, know. They didn't shoot me with coke, that's for sure. So, so I, goes, I go to uh, rehearsal. The band's rehearsal that I was a road manager for. I have no right being a road manager. I have no friggin' idea what I was doing, but it was like, you know, you know, he's one, he's our friend. We gotta give him a job. Hey, Costello, go get a job. I've been a Costello. So <laughs> they sat around, and this was this was my story if I go in the rooms. They sat around in a circle. I go, Richard, we have to talk to you. I go, what's up? And they said, if this was anybody else, you'd be fired. And beside that, we're your friend and friends, and we're really worried about you, and we think you're now past the point of way, way out of hand. If you keep doing this, you can't hang out with us and do this with us anymore and work with us. But more than that, you know, we think you're going to die. And so in my head, I'm going around the room going, well, this is what's wrong with you. You have, you have a right to tell me how I'm fucked up and what's wrong with me. You know what's wrong with you? How come we don't talk about what's wrong with you? And I went around one by one. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? When I got rid of the, done with the five people or so, deciding in my head that what's wrong with them, even though I OD'd, I stood there and I just started bawling. I just started crying. And I just said, twice I did this in my life and I think it helped me. It was was a cleansing. I, I don't... I hate to say this, like, I don't believe in it, like, almost anything. I don't believe in 
God and soul. With this, I'm, I'm into, I'm into um, um, spiritual, you know, the spirit and the soul. I, I, I just don't believe in what a spirit and what a soul is. It's energy. It's energy. It goes back into the universe. So um, I started crying. I said, you guys, uh, profound words for me, um, prophetic. You guys just don't understand. I love this stuff so much. I can't stop. I don't know how to stop. I need help. That was the first step. That was the first step. I didn't know it was the first step. It came right out of your mouth. It, it, the wall had actually touched my nose. There was no more room to move. It's either this or this. And I also one day looked in the mirror and I said, Richard, you're a heroin addict. You love this feeling so much. You know it's on the planet. You know you can get it anytime, anywhere. How are you going to fucking stop? So that was also like first step part B. <laughs> totally. You know? Um, it was honesty. It was honesty. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was the, I look at it as, as a really deep, powerful drive to survive. And like these songs just came out of me after 40 years, this stuff finally came out of me. Like you could go further and die, you can go further in a life of heroin addiction, or you could get to this point where game's over. And it's surrender, you know what I mean? You had all you could take, you know what I'm saying? And then you a, were done. A friend said, I got a friend who'll take me to a meeting, and I said, you know what I said? I'll go to a meeting. But if I go on a date with a girl and I want a Bloody Mary, I'm getting a Bloody Mary. <laughs> okay. So how did that play out, though? Because I'm sure you went on a lot of dates. I went on a... On a, on a I, went, I mean, you're you handsome know. dick Manitoba, for Christ's sake. I go on... You know what? But I'm very... I'm really picky. Like, it's got to be... It's got to be a Spanish girl who's a little Chinese, dabbles Chinese. in methadone. No, it's just got to be someone... You know, I, I, who I'm attracted to. I'm just playing. I know. When I, you first got sober, though, when you make that kind of contingency, I'm not. I'm going to go to meetings. I'm going to be sober. But if I'm going on a date, I might have to drink. How did? Because you were sober for a long time. How did you deal with it when you would go on the date? Well, you have to finish the fir- the thing I was saying, which was the girl who was taking me goes, Richard, just go, just go, and then figure it out. Okay, so I went. St. Malachy's Actors Chapel, West 49th Street. Like 60 people there. It looked like, like high school uh, um, de- uh, benches and stuff. Maybe more than 60 people. And I, I got dressed up, and I looked around. I saw three or four girls that were cute. And, uh, and I raised my hand. I said, I'm Richard. I think I said, I, I'm pretty sure I got a drug problem or um, I got a drug problem either. I'm pretty sure. Welcome, Richard. And, uh, you know, made some friends there and um, wound up in the ensuing months making friends with a guy named Steve B, who unfortunately passed away from um, from uh, HIV pneumonia. And, you know, a couple of years later, he probably would still be with us. Um, the wisest man I ever knew, the only sponsor I ever had, the smartest, wisest, um, I have to say most spiritual man I ever knew. 
to this day, I would say 25% of what I say to people, I teach my son about life. Through Steve B. Is, is his words. So why do you reject spirituality for yourself when he's your spiritual teacher and you say such nice things about him? Because... You're very stubborn, Richard. No, no, you, you give me a chance. I, mean, <laughs> I have to be stubborn. You didn't even let me start arguing with you. <laughs> he was, you know, he was into Namya Horangekyo, Namya. He was God. I was God for a long time. I'm, I go back and forth. I go back and forth. I think not being sure or being a little bit sure is perfectly fine. I don't think it's, it's, it's not like a math equation where it's like two and two is four, that's it, it's over. You know, um, he was a spiritual being, according to himself. Uh, he, he he called himself an emotional and spiritual adventurer. So, if he wanted to call himself that, if he wanted to do Nami Horenga Kyo, I respected him because the words that came out of his mouth were words I could use for the rest of my life to help my life and help other people. Awesome. I mean, that, and that's the whole point of, of getting sober anyway. You know, I mean, that's the whole point of... of I mean, I, I told my daughter yesterday, and I, I couldn't imagine these words coming out of me. I was asking her to do something for me. Like, I was asking her to, to help me with a meal or something in the house. And she's like, I'm doing this, Daddy. And I said, the only, the only thing that matters that you do on this planet is helping somebody else. And I just I decided I wanted to put that in her head at nine, you know what I mean? Like, like, why not? Like, nobody put that in my head at nine. It's a really good thing, I think. To, to ha- if somebody tells you that's the only thing that counts is how you help somebody how about, else. How about one of the most important things you can do as a human being is to help other people instead of the only thing you do. It's I little, want it to be dramatic. You it's know what little, I mean? It's a little overwhelming for a nine-year-old girl. She looked at me. I'm calling the authorities. <laughs> I'm calling you. What did you do to that poor girl? Uh, she's all right. <laughs> she's all right. So, so that was the beginning of, of your sobriety. I, I never got high again until three and a half years ago. I lived with a woman who Methadone did... Methadone addict. Yeah, but she also... I found even since day nine months, what I if you find, I always looked at like if if you hands in the cookie jar, and you catch the hand in the cookie jar, you can't even think how many times the hands are in the cookie jar. You could just ima- imagine. So I found all kinds of paraphernalia. I found tons of pills over the years. One of my therapists said, "I can't believe you went fifteen years with pills in your face and never took one." <clears throat> I, never, I found bags of coke and dope. I threw them in the garbage. So what was the relapse? Like, how, what changed? What happened was, I guess we were starting to be unhappy with each other. And um, I, after 15 years of seeing the pills, I had 32, 33 years off of alcohol, 32, 33 years off of drugs. Um, um, we found a guy in the neighborhood. I feel like saying his name, but it's probably illegal because he was arrested. Um, and... I knew him for years, and he sold um, Vicodin. So I would start going to his house once a month and buying, like, 12 Vicodin. And the thing was... But this I, is after 32 years of sobriety. Yeah. So what, what fucking changed? You stopped going to meetings, I'm assuming? Well, I never went to a lot of meetings except for the first few years. So I, when I'd you go, clicked in, how did you click out? Like, you just got so frustrated with, with your wife being high? I, 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 
you know, these things are they are they always so well thought out? No, definitely are not. They, I'm just like, wondering in retrospect. I'm saying I saw pills in my face for 15 years. Eventually. I never I never used the needles. I never used the coke. I never used the dope. What? This morning, I'm on the fucking Long Island Railroad, okay? Coming into Manhattan. I live on Long Island now. Coming into I'm one of these doofuses from Long Island. Uh, I'm coming in. I'm coming in on the Long Island Railroad. And there's this dude sitting across from me, and he looks all fucked up. But I'm not really concentrating on him. And I get up to get off, and I and it's one of these banks of seats where the seats face each other, you know. And I look in there, and I look on the ground, and there's a bag of dope on the ground, bag of heroin. And I'm like, and I haven't seen a bag of heroin in a long time. I'm like, there's a bag. I'm like, I'm just like kind of looking around, and I want to point at it. And I and I look. I'm staring at the guy because there's dope in the bag. I see the fucking dope in the back from where I'm standing. And I'm like, uh, uh, and the guy looks at me and I go, uh, and I'm like, I'm like gesturing with my head at the bag of dope on the floor. And he looks at me and he looks at the bag and he like doesn't react at all. And I'm, I'm like, but I don't want to say anything. I don't want to be like, dude, your dope is on the fucking ground. I don't say anything. I just, yeah. I'm just gesturing and he thinks I'm crazy, but he never picked up the bag. It was fucking weird. Anyway, I, I'm sorry. Because he seemed high. You sure it was his? Dude, it was his. Nobody else was sitting there, and he was high. Maybe if he picked it up, it'd be he would have illegal. Freaked right. You know? Huh? It'd be illegal. If he picked it up. Yeah. Right. So he was, he was paranoid of, like, what am I gesturing to his back? I know who you were. No, of course. Anyway, I'm sorry for interrupting. It was just interesting. So, I mean, because I had that moment where I saw the dope. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm not, I don't think about using, I'm happy in my recovery, but, like, for a second, I can imagine it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm away from it for so long, but I can imagine how it tastes and what that bag feels like and all that shit. So I can imagine how you felt being around all these pills for so long. If it didn't, it didn't, like, once, I took some of hers, those white sticks. But, Xanax. But, yeah, but it, I just fell asleep on those. They didn't do anything. I love Xanax. Really? Well, because I'm a real neurotic Jew. Xanax well, is, on, like, designed on, for me. Well, Xanax is abused on the street, um, but the same pathways, Clonopin goes through the same pathways. I love that, too. Yeah, but I'm on Clonopin every day. It's prescribed. Yeah, but not, yeah, but the point is, my doctor's so good, with, I keep asking him for more and more and more, and he goes, Richard, you're not manic. You're not anything that a person shouldn't be as far as anxiety and mild depression, who lost a job, who lost a relationship, who went to jail, who has no money. She goes, I don't see you. Like, I have to see something in you that's, like, above and beyond and out of control. What you are is feeling what a person you're going through is supposed to feel. So you're normal and perfectly normal. And he doesn't want to medicate you for it. Well, I, I'm on, you know, stuff for, like, a sleeping pill, which I love. Oh, my God. If not for that sleeping pill. Oh, my God. I take that sleeping pill. 45 minutes later, I get eight hours of sleep. What are you, what are you taking? It's uninterrupted. What is it? I don't it? wake up with a buzz. I don't wake up with, with a hangover. And I don't get up in the middle of the night and stumble into things. What are you taking? Um, I forgot. All right. So I'll, I'll find out before we leave. I don't need. I don't need any it's sleep in the medicine. Closet. I didn't sleep last night like at all. 
I woke up at two. Doctor, you get no, I'm not taking anything. Are you kidding me? I can't be taking stuff. I'll, 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 everything will it's go a, away. It's a sleeping pill, like anti-depression, um, so you can. Because the most important thing in your life is sleep, right? No, I usually sleep well. I went to bed too early last night. I went to bed at nine. I woke up at fucking two thirty. I didn't get back to bed. Ugh. Terrible. You see me? I'm a mess. I don't know how you usually are. That's fair. So um, where, where, where was we? We were, you were in your relapse oh, on pills. Yeah, so, so for a weird reason, I wasn't taking them every day. Now you and me, you give me 12, 14 pills, you're taking two a day, maybe four a day yeah. until they're gone, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I go to Spain for three weeks. I'm there for a week. I have like 10 with me. I didn't take any in a week. I played shows six nights. On the seventh night, we had off. We all went out for dinner. I took two Vicodin. It was my Calgon bath. Take me away. <laughs> right? And then I didn't take... Like, so I had these, like... I kept buying from this guy and going, Richard, I know I'm an addict. Why am I not taking these every day or more? So I would kept stealing pills and kept... Why do you think it was? Because you, you wanted to maintain it? Because you didn't want to fuck it up? I just didn't... I, I don't know. I really... You I, didn't want to go for the oblivion. I didn't want to go for the oblivion, but I wasn't. But here's the weird thing. If what you're saying is true, I also wasn't wringing my hands, knowing, thinking they're in the closet. Because you know what they say about alcoholic. You could have one drink a week and be an alcoholic if that's all you're thinking about the whole week. Right. You know, you could have three drinks a day and not be an alcoholic. Right. Right. So it's the obsession. I wasn't obsessed. But then one day, um, this went on for about a year and a half. I'd go on the road. I need a uh, man, uh, the white thing. I need, I need um, extra um, clonopin because I don't take, like, I, I've been in a really bad way for a while, but I've got, taken clonopin for a long time and stopped short and, like, nothing. See, I would get hooked on clonopin. If but, I stopped, I'd have seizures. Like, it would be bad. I'd have, I, I stopped taking it for three months straight and nothing. I All just right. stopped and nothing. But I get really nervous sometimes and I wake What kind up. of dosage? I could take, uh, one, two, or three pills as needed a day. Well, well how many? How, how strong are the pills? One milligram. All right. Well, that's okay. I mean, I I used to take like thirteen two milligram pills at a time. Like I was crazy with clonopin. Um, I loved I loved clonopin. I like chewing it up. I liked how it tasted. I was crazy with it. I know. I'm not. I know. Anyway, so you you take it as prescribed, and it's prescribed. Yeah. And I've been going to this guy for like four years, and he knows me pretty well. And my son goes to a really good, great psychiatrist who's the head of child and pediatric psychiatry at Bellevue. And then I like, uh, I like therapy, too. That helped me in recovery. The combination of meetings and psychotherapy helped me because I can't stand up in a fucking group full of people and talk like real hard shit. You got to generalize. Everyone, like a lot of people know who I am. They know who my ex was. But beside that, I don't want to talk about, about you know, I'm like, you know, I had a tough time at work. I had a tough time with my relationship. Fine. But, you know, you get inside there and it's like you shut the door. It's like that to me is really helpful. That's so you like, don't go to meetings anymore? Yeah, I, I, I don't go. I, I started making them like my friends go every Tuesday. What's today? Tuesday. Oh, maybe I'll go tonight. I'll call up my friend Charlie, see if he's going. Yeah, I, when I think about it. You go it, to the 830? I go to the one on uh, Tuesday. I got mad at everybody because it was freezing last year, and they wouldn't give me a ride home. 
Nobody gave me a fucking ride. I'm going to walk from Houston Street. The Bleecker Street meeting at, at Anthony, St. Anthony. Right? Ha- no, Houston, almost by 6th Avenue. The Sullivan Street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. On I the know. south side? Yeah, I know. my old sponsor the goes big, there. big church, Yeah, St. Yeah. Anthony of Padua. I, I see a lot of old, old people from 30 years ago. So the way I look at it is, I, I, like, like, they hate me when I go to these meetings. Because I get up and I go, listen. So, I got to tell you, I took Vicodin on and off for like a year and a half. And I got to tell you this. I fucking loved it. <laughs> I did. I'm not, what, what am I, I'm not there. So why'd you stop? Because... The last time I copped 14, I took two a day for seven days. And I had one left, popped out of my butt. My, my son said, hey, what's that? I go, oh, it's one of my bills for the doctor. Starting a tour, go down south to Texas. I take two. I take another one in the, in the, in the hotel room. Three, I'm out. I woke up the next morning, the 21st of May, Three and a half years at May. What's this? Is January. In four months, I'll have four years back. So, see, people get pissed off because they go, "Well, you got four years," and I go, "Yes, I do have four years, but I also have um, thirty-three, other th- thirty-six out of thirty-seven and a half years." But what happened in Texas? Like, I what? Stopped. But why? I had none left. And then you were. I d- felt like shit the last day. You went into a little bit of withdrawal. I just felt like shit. And then I did an amazing show the next day, clean. And then you were like, what the fuck am I doing? No. Like, why didn't you buy Vicodin from this dude again? Well, a very, very famous, amazing guitar friend of mine, I can't mention his name, who's one of the brightest guys I know that I ever met, who's hardcore recovery. And I was actually scared to tell him. And he was in New York ready to play. And I went, hey, man, how you doing? This is what I did. This is what happened. And he just looked at me and went, well, you know why you stopped? Well, why? Because you had 32 years of practice in stopping. Who was it? I can't tell you. All right. I can't. You know, that's against the rules. Was it Slash? It's against the rules. I'm just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> so, so he shamed you. Slash is sober? Yeah. 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 Half a Jew. No, he's not Jewish. I no, think. he's just his you name Jewish? is. I'm totally Jewish. Ashkenazi. Ashkenazi. Hey, what are you gonna do? Um, so he almost shamed you, but he gave you a dose of reality. Is what it was. He didn't shame me at all. He said he reminded you of what you were doing or what you weren't doing. No, he said the reason you were able to stop is because you had 32 years of practice stopping. Right. But what I'm asking is, what was the thing? Like, you're enjoying the Vicodin. You're saying you're going to the Tuesday night meeting and saying how much you love the Vicodin. So why didn't you continue with it? It was a milder version... Of dope. ...of why I stopped in the first place. Of, 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 it was like, you know, what am I doing? Enough. And I just was strong enough, or whatever you want to call it, lucky enough to uh, go... You know what it was? There were things starting to happen. Like, I'd be taking the bus down from Sirius, and this guy would say, you come over, I'll give you 10... And I'd be like three blocks from his house. He goes, like, do me a favor. I'm really tired. Come over tomorrow. And it was that old feeling of being owned by the dope dealer. And fucking fuck with my head. He owns me. Like, he, he, I'm so looking forward to it. I'm so close to it. It's everything. 
You know, so what happened with this guy is he told me he was selling them because he got so many for his back pain. He was selling the extra 40, 50 he had a month for his back pain to pay for his health insurance. So I don't give a fuck what you say. I don't really think about it. I'm going, that's what you tell me. Good. Okay, good. I find out later because I know a lot of cops in this neighborhood and I'm friends with a lot of cops in this neighborhood. And uh, he had sold Coke to an undercover seven times. You know what happens when, you, when that happens? You go to the judge. He says, okay, you take a battering ram, and you, you have a no-knock warrant. And they battered his door in and pulled him out of bed naked and took him away. But he had so much money, I think he got And out. you had quit before, that, before it impacted you. Yeah, though. yeah. And you were just so tired of being... Uh, his, you know, being one of us. I'm a recover. I haven't had a drink in 36 years. I, I did and a year and a half of Vicodin in the last 36 years. So I got. You did know, you? Were you tempted to do heroin or no? No. Why never, not? Never. I just, you know, listen. You can't figure that stuff. How are you going to figure that out? I am or I'm not. I had quit. Who are you? Why do you want? I don't want. I'm to. just curious. No, but you are you. But I remember I quit. I quit dope. And, uh, and I put 10 bags and 10 needles in front of me. I would throw them right in the garbage. No, me too. No, me too. This morning yeah. was a weird moment. It wasn't like I was going to, I wanted to do it. It was just, I could imagine it. You know what I mean? I wasn't tempted. I have more drink dreams than drug dreams. You know what my drink dream is based on? Goodfellas, when they're talking about the Lufthansa heist, and De Niro's got, and then cigarettes, I miss cigarettes. Yeah. And De Niro's got the cigarette like this, yeah. And he's, and he's shaking his head, bent down, like getting excited, and he takes a shot. And he just throws it down and then continues smoking a cigarette. That looks so fucking good to me. I was hanging out with my... I, I've been wanting to... Sm- I, I haven't smoked a cigarette in a couple of years. When did you stop smoking? Um, I, st- <laughs> I stopped for 14 years. Then when I got... We got the kid. I smoked for three years. Uh, so he was three. He's 10. So um, I've stopped... Uh, in 21 out of the last 24 years, I stopped. So, yeah. I only haven't smoked for but two years. the same guy, you know what he said to me? He says how tough they are in, in the West Coast, certain meetings they have out there in L.A. This is how tough they are. I was going, yeah, I stopped smoking for like 14 years, and I was smoking a cigarette. He, and he looks at me and he goes, but you're smoking now. I was like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, he's, he's a purist. And, uh, but I, I hung out with my brother-in-law the other day, and he was chain-smoking, and I was like, let me sit near you while you chain smoke, and we were sitting on, on my terrace at my dad's house, and uh, and I got so much secondhand smoke, I got like shaky from it, and I was like, I don't need to smoke. I used to go on the terrace with my ex, and just take a couple of, you know, the secondhand. You mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fucked up. Anyway, this has been a real pleasure for me. Has it been a pleasure for you? It's it's been great. I love to talk, and uh, this was nice and fluid. I hope. I think so. And useful to you and your peeps. I don't know. Dopey Nation. This is Handsome Dick Manitoba of the Dictators. HandsomeDickManitoba.com. We didn't even get to sober owning a bar, but, you know, what are we going to do next time? Uh, I just next was time. sober and I owned a bar, and uh, Born in the Bronx is the album. Please buy it. And the, and the podcast. podcast is You Don't Know Dick. But maybe you know him a little better now. Hopefully. Check it out. You Don't Thanks. Know Dick. It's on iTunes. It's on, where is it at? Everywhere. Everywhere. Go, the best way to get it is go to 
handsomedickmanitoba.com. There it is. And you can iTunes, see, Stitcher, uh, You can all see that the great shit. picture of Handsome Dick with Jody wearing the white satin dictator's jacket in front of CBGB's, which yes. I'm going to look at right now. Yes, you were a real mensch. Thank you, Handsome Dick. So, Handsome Dick Manitoba. Yeah. From the dictators. Yeah, you don't hear a New York accent like that so much anymore. It's a shame. I'm walking here. <laughs> you don't have it. No. You, you grew up here. I did. I grew up here, and um, it comforts me. And your dad doesn't have it. He has a very weird accent. He, yeah. says, he says a bunch of words wrong. He says... Like New York accent wrong? No, just very strange. Just, he, he, just his he, own here. unique... He, he can't say dolphin. What does he, he say, dolphin? He says dolphin. Dolphin. I've heard people say that. I think it's a New York thing. Hold on. Dad. All right, he's been away for a little while. The fan favorite, my father, Alan, welcome back to the show. It's nice being here on my knees because he won't let me sit in a I don't believe that I put up with this. I really it's don't. all strategy. The young guys are sitting in chairs. We've got Alan on his knees. Here, here. Sit, sit. Here. Yeah, I'm going to sit. You fucking Enough complainer. You sit down. Relax. Ruin the sound of the show, destroy everything, get, get too comfortable. And this is a first. You know, David is standing up, which is wonderful. Good. I'm sitting down now. Okay, yes, you have something to add? No, now I'm standing up. I feel very uncomfortable. Oh, it's dolphin. It's dolphin. My granddaughter taught me it's not the dolphin. You're destroying the whole show here. You took the seat, you got up. Stay in the seat. No, I feel uncomfortable. You don't want to sit down. <laughs> no, no, it's better. What do you call that thing on top of a house? A roof? Listen, no, he says there's just some words. What are the words that you say wrong? Oh, I coffee? No, you say coffee good. Dog? Dog sounds good. Dolphin? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> For some reason, that's the bad one. So here, I, I like to keep... What are you doing? What, what's, what's going on? I thought Ray was wanted to speak. If Ray wants to speak, he'll talk. He doesn't realize that he doesn't have a mic. What you should do is you should squat down so Ray can pipe in if you want. Now, uh, uh, it's just, it's, it's, this is ruining the show. Please stop ruining the show, both of you. You're the worst. The two of you. You're almost as bad as Chris. Although my my um, team may be worse than Alex. Uh, by the way, um, you know, I listened to uh, This American Life. This, this weekend, and I remember I said to you the week before the Artie show, you know, that Chris didn't sound good. But listening to This American Life, when, when you were talking with Chris, and you said something like, oh, Chris, I mean, he made a mistake. I mean, we should have, I mean, we, that was, he was really... Out of it at that point. He 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 was totally out of it. You know, somebody even wrote me about that. Some yeah. some listener wrote me about that because I didn't know that he was high. I just knew that he was in a lot of pain, and I knew that he wasn't himself. And you know, maybe part of me knew that he was high, but I honestly didn't have a fucking thought in my head that he was using at that point. No, neither did I. I just thought that was something. Well, wrong. you. I remember. I remember driving around. Uh, Long Island, yeah. and you had called me to talk to me about Chris's performance. Yes, that you were unhappy with Chris's performance. <laughs> he sounds like he was bored. He sounds like he was bored with the show. Right, and that's what I said to you. I yeah. said I think he's tired of the show. I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. And right. you, and I don't remember what you said, but you didn't. No, nobody was chiming in that he was using. Yeah, but the point is that the first time I listened to This American Life, it wasn't as 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 clear as the second time when he really did sound like, wow, there's something wrong here. 
Well, hindsight is twenty twenty kind yeah, of thing. I guess so. Uh, don't I you guess, think? Yeah. Now, more importantly, um, yes. I, for whatever reason, I think it's because I'm a glutton for punishment. I like to have you on the show to complain about the show. So, so well, you've been it's, away. It's easy, you know, sometimes to do that. <laughs> you know, lots of people have been telling me that you're their favorite part of the show. Yeah, well, that's well, maybe I don't know because I'm the underdog. I think I think I think they're tired of you taking advantage of, of the situation. <laughs> what, be. what have I taken advantage? Well, of? Well, anyway, it's it's good shtick. Anyway, it's good shtick. But what you said about your mother was a little bit much. And I think now, I mean, the Dopey Nation, David really loves his mother and loved his mother. And his mother loved him very much. What did I say that was so bad? Uh, about her death and that you did What did her, I say? I don't know. Something about... You're saying that I said something bad, but you're not saying what I said. I, what am I saying that was so bad? About your reactions to her death. What did I say? I have no idea. So what? I, so I don't what? remember. Listen, I, obviously I love my mother and right. I miss my mother. Um, I said... That I don't need to go. I, I don't think that I need to quantify what I said, and I don't think that it's fair if I said something about my experience of it was something about that there was something about being sober that became easier after she died, mm. um, and and that's all it is. And, and yes, mom was very very. Uh, she was a overlording mother over me. You know, I didn't wear a yes, dear T-shirt. I was the the you know the son. I wasn't her husband. I had to do what she told me, and I didn't do what she told me. It was interesting because I was talking to Ray about um about Lori and mom, and and she and and like how me and Lori really switched roles. Like when I was a little kid, I did everything she told me, and Lori wouldn't do anything she said. And when Lori became an adult, she did everything that mom said, and I couldn't do anything. And mom liked to have maximum control, I think. And it was made me uncomfortable, and I rebelled against the control, and I went way overboard, and I, and I wound up a drug addict. It doesn't mean I'm blaming her. It was clearly your fault that I became a heroin addict. <laughs> well, see, this, this, is, this, is, this is the point. The, the, the point is, is that, obviously, you shouldn't be blaming other people. Who did I blame? You just said. <laughs> I was, that's, you just I was joking. I was joking. Uh, all right, okay. Anyway, please. I it's just stupid. Want you, I, I want to say this. Yeah. It is stupid for you to think that I actually blamed anybody else for my addiction. Okay. Do you, in your heart of hearts, do you really think I blame anybody for my addiction? In, in, in reality? No, okay. No, I do not. Okay. Is that so hard to be? Is like, is that so hard? Now, now, how's your uh, fantasy basketball team doing? It's a disaster. So what's going on? And, and he went to Florida. He's playing uh, golf. He destroyed his body. Uh, I'm falling apart. I'm trying I mean, to get him. I'm trying to get a uh, some kind of a uh, what, what do you call it? Power of attorney before he loses his mind. Golf, golf intervention. No, it's terrible. I'm. I'm. I, you know, I never thought about this aging business. All of a sudden, I'm thinking about Yeah, I'm trying to find you a nice uh, senior citizen's home near us so that you don't rot in this house alone. I am young and active, except I'm falling apart. My mother is single. Uh, sorry, no. She should oh, get yeah. online. Let's, she should get online. Yeah, don't. Let's not talk about that. Uh, I don't need to have any more uh, problems. Um, now, do you have any criticisms about the last bunch of shows that you haven't been on that you'd like to add? Oh, yeah, he thought that the the one with uh, the last one was an infomercial for uh, Stephanie Whittle's wax. Well, yeah, but then you, you 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 seem to indicate to me that there was a reason why you were so uh, pushing her podcast. I just wanted was... to succeed. I just I just want the people. She, she those people are your people. Oh, yeah. They're the people that have lost somebody. 
Well, yeah, I understand that, and that's why I think that your show could, you know, those people could be certainly interested in your show as well. It's hard to imagine that this show can really help anybody. That's another point. What? It's amazing how many people it's helped. I mean, that's, that's one of the things. I mean, when we use the Yiddish ver- word kvel, that's, that's how I feel when I read these. You're kvelling over the over I'm kvelling over this show. The dopey nation. Yeah. It's incredible how wonderful this is. Well, while you're here and now that the... And this, how could you get more? Dopey Nation ask, people. You know, what I, Dopey Nation, how do we get more? Beats, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But here, why don't you read the iTunes review of the week, Dad? Okay? Uh, I, I, that's, here. These are reading glasses. Oh. Here. Well, here you go. This one. Oh, that, sorry. <laughs> Just read no, it. Come no. on. I love it when you read that one. You, I read it three times and I stopped in the middle. Okay, of the read this one. Just read it. Don't read it to yourself. Read it out loud. Just listen to my last episode. The decline started with Teen Mom. All right. Now, here's a good one. Here's Wait a, a minute. What was that Teen Mom business? She oh, was a, that, show that was thing? a here. Oh, look, look. A new one just came in and it has your name in it. So read it. Oh, Dave and Dave's dad. Wow. Just read I it. Know you when, can, you, when you read it to I, yourself and you don't read it on the show, nobody hears you reading it. You just have to read it out loud. They can't read my mind. I know you guys know this, but holy hell was this podcast needed. I've been play, planning to write a beautiful review for over a year now. I don't because I don't know exactly what to say, so I'm just throwing it out there. Myself and many others have found this podcast to be a doorway into a different... You just said podcast. I meant podcast. Okay. I am speaking correctly. Podcast to be a doorway into a different way of viewing, viewing addiction. I believe this different view is the reason why so many people happen to make their way to sobriety while listening to the show. I know I'm not alone here. All I can say is thank you on behalf of me and my family. Thank you for what you do. I'll drop some dopey voicemails in the future. Nice. Very sweet. And then right. here's, here's another one that plays on your point here. So read this one. And Ray, if you want to comment, please jump in. Uh, my new friends. I'm not a. Ju- no, you have to say my new friends is the name of the review. Five stars. Say my new friends. You throw it away. That's a beautiful thing, my new friends. Oh, okay. My new friends is the person who's sending these. No, stars. my new friends is the title of the review. It's sent in by Melanox. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm not a drug user, but I've had boyfriends who have used various drugs pre-crystal meth, and I love hearing the good stories and for obvious reasons I am no longer with them. But I do miss hearing good stories and I'm getting my fill with you guys. Also, I need help trying to make sense of the world I'm living in right now. So does everybody else. Especially the U.S. homeless and drug problem we are seeing today. Yes, that's a big problem. Your podcast is helping me to be more compassionate for the drugged out homeless people I encounter in L.A. So sorry to hear about Chris's death. I hope you continue the podcast and your sobriety. It's quite a journey you've been on. Toodles. All right, yeah. One last one, and then you're, I'm done with you. Uh, and you've yeah. been a terrible job reading these reviews, but you're reading like look, you're reading I'm, to yourself. I'm, I'm, Read them I'm, like I'm you're wearing, in front of the. I'm wearing Ray's reading. They look glasses. pretty good, though. Yeah, but I can't see a damn thing. They guy. look pretty good. Uh, wait a minute. I think you should consider getting frames like this. Uh, yeah, Dad, I'm serious. Should I, I take think, a picture? They're very like tweedy. I think you should be framed up yourself. Here, no, Dad. Here, uh, you, not, you look like a like some sort of professor. professor. <laughs> well, I am a professor. Well, you look more professor-like with these frames. Right, let's get on with the email here. Anonymity, not. 
Oh, he's, oh. Hi, Dave. Did you stop trying to be anonymous? I am trying to listen from 141, thanks to This American Life. If you are trying to keep anonymous, you should... We, why are we just read it? the Be- fucking... Because rev- everybody else is going to read this. Just fucking read the review, please. It's interesting. You should, you should know that the Apple Podcasts app lists your last name just above the rating stars, which means my last name. Just read the fucking <laughs> review, please. P.S. You are great. You are great, yeah. And it is the best <laughs> to listen to such an authentic, funny person. He's not that funny. The, guf- <laughs> the gift of not using, we all benefit. You can tell you had good parroting. Yeah, now, now, now yeah, 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 yeah. there you go. And see, now. Just please read the thing. Now, that's, now we, who is this person? <laughs> Boston Irish Rules, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> How could you have ever thought... Artie Lang was not almost incoherent. I didn't know. Incoherently high. Can you yeah. not read? What happened to you? I'm reading. It was not almost incoherently high in that interview. Chris asked you and then was quiet when you said you didn't think he was high. I didn't think he was high. I guess that he was dumbfounded. You couldn't tell. Well, All that's right. the thing. Is that it? That's it for you. I, I think... Um, the anonymity thing, yes, yeah. it's I, it's it's anonymous. I don't know how to take that the the thing off of the. I don't. What's the difference? You guys can figure it out. It's not that hard to figure it out. I just don't want to put what I've decided, and this is total self serving information. But I've decided until the New York Times or the New Yorker or Time Magazine or Rolling Stone or some fucking highfalutin press want to cover Dopey, it'll be anonymous. And then when they want to cover it, I'll come out with my anonymity for the cash. All right. What do you think? Uh, I think you're right. I think everybody would figure it out anyway, the way it is right now. And somebody else. Want, there's, and, here, and there's another. My grandchildren. No, read this. This is, a, this is a good one. Read this. Read this one. Oh, I can't. Before you go. Before you go. Hold on. Let's see. You know, somebody wrote me. I don't know where it is, but somebody said that they thought that I was anonymous because of uh, my, your grandchildren, and then now it's such a positive thing that the grandchildren would probably benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we, you pushed it into the positive realm. Yeah, I think it is. I think I think Nora would be very proud of you, and so am I. I am proud of you. I mean, I, I know I'm doing this shtick with you, but which of course is true because he's a pain in the neck. I have to tell but you, but I am pa- proud of you. I have to tell you, these frames—they look just terrific. Have you ever yeah, thought about? Fourteen dollars. That sounds right in his price range. Well, that's I usually I usually spend two dollars and fifty cents on glasses, but I've splurged. Where did these come from? Amazon. Oh. Interestingly enough, you ready for this? Interestingly enough, when I met Ray this morning, he had a bag over his shoulder, and I said, "Ray, what's in the bag?" And he said, "Laundry. You've changed my life, Dave." Because you know how Ray used to wash his clothes. That's what he used to say he washed his he clothes. He did. What about, did you see the video? He, he took a picture of himself in the shower in his clothes with a plant, and he was watering the plant at the same time. <laughs> what do you call that? So when you do multitasking. Multitasking. Yeah, yeah very yeah. good. All right, keep it up. And uh, You say stay strong. Yeah, I know. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles for Chris. And everybody out there, stay healthy. Okay, love you all. Thank you. That was, that was a really amazing appearance, Dad. Didn't you think it? What do you think of that appearance? That was great. Amazing. The gra- the glasses look great. Didn't you think the glasses look good? Yeah. It's too bad I have to dopey up the glasses, but they looked really good. Yeah. Academia. Um. Shit. This episode is going to be long. Um. We're going to get this dude on the phone right now. So stay tuned. Hold on. So we're calling this dude. It is the winner 
of the Dopey Mountainside Scholarship. His name is Josh. Congratulations, Josh. And uh, we're going to have him on the phone. We had read an email from him. Um, his girlfriend had tragically overdosed and died, and he was seeking help. So we're going to give it to him. Hold on. So here's Josh. Uh, welcome to the show. And before I say anything, uh, we are terribly, terribly sorry about what happened to Ashley. It's the worst. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. And um, so you applied for the Dopey Mountainside Scholarship, um, which I'm glad you did. What made you uh, decide to do it? Um. Well, you know, after um, Ashley's death, I, I realized that to uh, properly process and get over the grief, I was going to have to be clear-headed. Right. And, uh, and what have you been using? Like, what, what makes you think you need to go to treatment at all? Um, well, heroin and meth, ketamine, um, some alcohol. Are, are you just buying the ketamine? How do you buy the ketamine? They just sell it straight? Yeah, um, I order it. From the dark web? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Life is life has changed a lot since I did drugs. I never I never uh Chris was always into ordering stuff on the dark web. Do you do you order your heroin and your and your meth on the dark web too? Uh yeah, for the most part. Amazing. Hey, once in a while. Hey Josh. While. Hey Josh, it's Ray. I just realized what you're doing is the dopey podcast song I wrote. You're doing the recipe from that. <laughs> yeah heroin uh, ketamine. ketamine methamphetamine and beer so yeah i guess that's it um how are you doing though man are you are you hanging in there i mean you can't i mean what can be said when you lose the love of your life and um and you had been on guard you know you had watched her used and you always had narcan what, what was that like um i mean you know it was I loved her, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't hard. I wouldn't say, but it was definitely a stress stressful, you know, existence. Um, but I think, I mean, for the most part, I'm I'm doing better. You know, I feel like I mean, it's. Uh, Definitely not over it. You know, I think that's going to be a long, long process. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Um, And what do you, like, you're going to go, you're going to detox there, and then you're going to do their whatever, their 38, their 28-day program, right? Yep. Does it sound good? I mean, I haven't heard, I mean, when I went there, it was years ago. Does it sound like it's going to be good? Yeah, it's. Sounds good, you know. It sounds really good. Well, and you and he asked me, "Did you, Ray? Did you ever go to rehab?" No. He asked me what he should bring. I was. I, I remember I brought a bag, like I brought an actual suitcase full of graphic novels, like it was like a hundred pounds. And like by the time I got clean, I couldn't even look at them. You know, I loved reading comics when I was high. I recommend bringing books. And and I told you to. I told him he should bring liquid soap. And he said for a dual purpose. But no, the reason is because 
uh, in the shower at Mountainside, I just rem- the, the thing I remember about Mountainside, I met Chris there, I met this old Jewish guitar player there, but the other thing I really remember about Mountainside is that at, in the bathroom, in the shower, there's just like a hundred bottles of liquid soap, and I remember like I would try like Old Spice liquid soap, I would try everybody's liquid soap, So like, but I was upset that I never had mine just in case like I got in the shower and there wasn't any soap, so I recommend bringing soap. All right, I will take you up on that recommendation. What do they tell you to bring? Um, the list was fairly short. Um, and offhand, nothing is, nothing's popping into my head. I hear you. And you know, you know, Josh runs a farm. So oh, yeah? why don't you tell 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 us about the farm? I think that's fascinating. Well, it's a it's a small. It's only a two-acre farm, but I raise uh, sheep and goats. I had, up until this last year, uh, turkey, or I mean uh, ducks and uh, chickens, too. But uh, raccoons wiped them out This while well, I was in jail, actually. I came out, and they had all been wiped out by the coons. That, um, that's crazy. The raccoons ate them? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they decimated them. Wow! I had about fifty, and within that month, they killed them all. Josh, how are you gonna get to Mountainside? Um, I'm gonna get a ticket, take fly. And have you ever been on the East Coast before? I haven't. All right. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. The closest I've come would be like North Carolina. I think that's the easiest. You know, that yeah. counts. But dude, Sorry. when you, when you get out, you gotta come to New York and uh, and say hey and uh, and come on the show and see that I'll show you around the city a little bit and um, you know the the key is when you get, I mean the key to to doing the thing being sober or whatever. Mm-hmm is just actually doing it. You know, there, it's like there's no, there's no, all you have to do is actually do it and then it becomes easy and possible. And I hope that that happens, but, you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. And, and and hopefully you get something out of this experience that'll be beneficial. Right. I, yeah, I mean, I I think I'm going to, you know. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. Can I ask a stupid question right now? You sure can. What are you high on now? Um, I'm, I did a little heroin this morning, and um, I haven't done any math, but that that is in the plan. Right. Just please be careful before this thing pops up. Um, yeah. And then, how is the how is the heroin through the dark web? Do they stamp it? What does it look like? Um. It varies you know i mean there's you know black tar there's white china there's brown tan you know it's whatever you want but it doesn't i don't think i should hear this information yeah nobody in the dopey nation should order heroin or meth through the dark web forget we're gonna forget i said anything about this um but but probably not not possible anymore say it again <laughs> Let's just say it's still, it's not a possibility anymore. Right, right on. Um, 
dude, you know, we're wishing you the best, and I'm glad that you're going to benefit from this thing. And uh, and please let us know how it goes. Oh, I, I will. And, and thanks. I mean, thanks for offering, you know, the opportunity. Yeah, man. Um, of course. I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. The real reason that you got the thing, by the way, is because your in-laws, Ashley's folks, wrote me this. You wrote me a bunch of letters, but it was Ashley's folks where it just really hit me um, that I, I thought you could really benefit. They really made a nice case for you. So thank them, too, and please send them my best. I will. They've been wonderful through all of this. You know, I can't imagine if how much harder it would be, you know, if they weren't uh, so supportive. Yeah, that's that's it's amazing. Please thank them and send them our best. And uh, and just be in touch, Josh. If you need anything, let me know. All right, I will, Dave. Thanks a lot. Yeah, right on, man. Yeah. No, nope. and it's it's our it's we're happy to to do it. It's a it's an amazing thing that we can do it. So I'm happy that that you're going to benefit from it. Um, just be safe as you can. You know, just fucking don't don't die before yeah. you have the chance to do this. Right, I will. I like, promise. Yeah, like like I can fucking make you not die, or you can promise. But yeah. you know, be careful. Be as careful as you can be. I will. All right, man. Thanks. Yeah. Bye, Ray. Bye-bye. Bye, Josh. Well, there you go. What do you think about that? I think it's good that he is going to Mountainside. Yeah, I think so, too. And When is he going? I think he's going uh, in 10 days. Okay. Let's hope he survives the next 10 days. Uh, obviously, we do not endorse ordering drugs on the dark web. I always would buy drugs in the projects. That was my dark well, web. Well, we live in New York City. Yeah, and you don't think you can? You don't think there's dealers in the turkey farm? You know, you don't think you can buy dope off the raccoons by? I don't know. By his farm? Yeah, I don't know. No, probably not. But um, what are you? What are you looking I've, at? I've you, thought about buying. I've heard about this Silk Road, and I've thought about it before, and I was like, I'm. I don't want to go down that path. Good, and um, it's good that you look so much better than you did on that day. You know, you were a mess. He sounded like a mess. Yeah. I'm sure there's a ton of people out there who are messes right now listening to the show. Um, I'm just going to say that my life got much easier and better with my recovery. Um, and I just say that because you could feel the drugs in the phone. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and this dude is suffering. And I'm sure a lot of you guys out there are suffering. And, uh, and we know that Chris and Todd and all the, the people who have been involved with Dopey that have died suffered. It was not a party, and then they died, and it rarely is. Um, do you have anything you want yeah, to add? I was, I was singing this. It's, it's not a party. Nothing I've done in that recent history has been a party at all. It's just been The awful. using. I mean, the, the party for you is when you're sober and you're playing music. Yeah, I have a great life. I have a great time. And then I, then I did that, but... I'm 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 just kind of moved by Josh on the phone. I know. I didn't expect that. I I I don't know. I was. Tell me, how were you moved? I I just didn't expect him to be high. Of course he's high. Of course he's high. Yeah. I I when I went to Mountainside, my ex girlfriend drove me to Mountainside, and I literally shot dope in the passenger seat. That's why I asked, "How are you getting there?" And I wanted to say, "Is somebody going with you?" 
Right. Well, that would have been a good question. Yeah. I, I shot dope the whole ride up to Connecticut. I had a broken nose. I had a black eye. I had eaten a handful of clonopin, like literally. And I got there and I was so fucked up and so bloodied and bruised that people wouldn't even talk to me in the detox. Yeah. They, they didn't detox me at Mountainside. Now Mountainside has a detox. When I went, I had to go to this other detox. Like a hospital. Like a detox, like oh. a proper detox. And I remember it very well that... um. I had these nightmares about one of the Dominican managers I work with that I owed him money, yeah. and uh, I didn't, but that was a nightmare yeah. I had. And then the last day before I went to Mountainside, um, I got in a car with a tech, and he drove me in Connecticut up this road, and there was a river on the side of the road, and the Elton John song, um, Rocket Man, came on. And uh, just that phrase, I think it's going to be a long, long time, uh, was playing in my head, and I knew that it was going to be a long time until I get anywhere near normal, until I get anywhere near over this thing. Yeah. And and that's what he's he's in for it, you know. And I didn't lose my the love of my life. She didn't die in front of me. I mean, it's a fucking terrible thing that happened to yeah. this guy. Um, but it's not a very cheerful note to end things. But it was a woolly show, Ray. Thanks again for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Did you have a good time? Yeah. You cried? I you laughed? Cried after I cried. It's like cats. <laughs> I was going to do a Cats re- movie review because oh, you're so fuck, moved by this uh, dumb fuck, fucking uh, fuck movie. Cats. I'll end the show. It's like, I don't know. I, I enjoyed Cats. I had a great time at Cats. And then my life went to shit. Like, cats like, destroyed your cats life destroyed, like heroin destroyed Josh's. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, stay strong, Dopey Nation. And fucking toodles for Chris. I want to take a walk around the world I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind Busted city far behind I'll take the high road However far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good so bad want to be good so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And they 
these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had 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 and these suckers make me mad and it's all I ever had and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had